Okay, good. Go ahead, Aaron. Uh, I'm Aaron Pallier. I'm a longtime freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures. Um, I'm starship technology science kind of guy. That's that's what I do. All right. Al. Al has a little lag, I think. How's it going? Al Spader, freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures. <laughs> yeah, super excited to be here. Um, and yeah. Uh, I'll pass it over to Nathan, the man responsible for 2D20. Mm-hmm. Nathan Dowdle, I'm the uh, lead designer uh, for Star Trek Adventures and the 2D20 system uh, designer and developer at uh, Modifius Entertainment. Okay, fantastic. Jeff, do you have time to interview yourself? Uh, to introduce yourself? I do. Uh, my name is Jeff Harvey. I am also known as Studio Tembo. I am trying to wrangle this cat that is a, a stream. Um, we, uh, had some technical issues, so I'm trying to figure out how to make everything work properly. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're doing a good job. Well, this is our first normal. Normally when we tape these shows, we tape them, we send it to Jeff. He has time to edit in a very calm environment. This is our first attempt at live. So we appreciate all your work, Jeff. And anyone who does is patient enough and sticks around, they're going to be around for some great prizes because we're giving away a lot of swag today. All right. So here's the first question. It has to go to Nathan Dowdell and then we'll go from there. Nathan. Star Trek Adventures came out in 2017. How are you feeling about how it's been received? What's your What's your most exciting thing when you think about Star Trek Adventures? Honestly, the fact that I get to have that I have gotten to give back to a franchise that I grew up with that helped shape who I am as a as a person as a geek. Um, that's a there's a huge source of satisfaction and the fact that the the game that I helped create is enjoyed by so many people just compounds that further can you guys hear him well, nope. I, no no Michael. I, I heard, Michael I heard no 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 I heard right. I had an audio thing going for a second I heard it now gotcha. I fixed it all right so then so then Nathan you know again thank you for that uh it, you giving back to the franchise like that I want to pass it over to Thomas Maroney now because when, when 2017 started out, did you think that there was going to be such a strong collaboration between, uh, maybe I won't use the word strong, that there's a collaboration between uh, STO, Star Trek Online, and Star Trek Adventures? Um, well, uh, I, you know, um, mm-hmm. sorry, I just going to process the, the question a bit. I mean, it's interesting. I think we, the first time we started working together was through our, uh, our partnership manager, um, Whitney, um, at uh, now Gearbox, it was Perfect World at the time, um, and I'm not sure who connected with who. If they reached out to, you know, Modifius reached out to us or, or vice versa, but um, but we were we had the opportunity to provide some art for I think the Delta Quadrant book might have been the first book. Um, I don't remember Jim if you remember. Um, with the oh gosh, the you know I think first... it might have it might it might have even been like the. Uh the alpha or beta book i, I know we did a, a a ship giveaway with one of those and there mm-hmm. was there was some ship ship art in there that we gave away the codes to yeah and um and it was uh you know it was fun um i was the one who actually did that made that art for for them uh and it was fun to see and then like started looking into star trek adventures and it's like oh cool a new star trek tabletop game the official one you know i think the last one was 
the decipher game which was a long time prior right it had mm-hmm. been a long time since we had an official star trek game and uh and um and so you know we we did a, a few of these images and got them into the books and then um you know uh it's my it's my ambition for star trek online that we are a good partner with all the other licensing partners for for star trek especially games you know and especially in the game space the the video game space and the tabletop game space and so um it it's been it's been a pleasure to sort of build that relationship with jim over time and and then when with the mm-hmm. you know, the utopia Planitia came out a uh, book um when i heard about that i got really excited and we, contrib- we were able to contribute some art and some specs and lore for some sto theme ship that wound up being canonized in picard and um and that was funny because like i knew they were going to be in picard and so i picked those ships without being able to tell jim that they were going to be canon <laughs> <laughs> but uh but um but that's why they ended up in utopia Venetia. and i'm glad that uh you know i'm glad that we were able to work that out it's been it's been it's been great and i'm i'm looking forward to doing more uh in the future Amazing, amazing. And now over to Aaron, our science and ship guy. Did you ever imagine you'd be pumping out so much work for Star Trek Adventures? How do you feel no, about that? No, but I'm I'm so glad I'm I've been able to because I've been able to like dive into a passion that I've had since I was a little kid, you know, playing with all these ideas that I saw watching TOS on a little, you know, tiny seven inch black and white screen. Um, yeah, I'm kind of dating myself there, right? But you know, I loved this stuff since I was a little kid, as far back as I remember. And that kind of passion that I had for it, I'm able to put into these words. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity that I have to do that. Fantastic. Al, give people a little blurb of your story about how you got into it and how you feel about uh, all the contributions you've been able to make to the game, too. Yeah, we'll see how my connection's holding up. If it's laggy, I'll just jump off. I have to actually get off to a wedding. So um, I just wanted to say congratulations, everyone. I'm so proud to be a part of this. And uh, I can't wait to see episode 200. Oh, wow. You make, you're making me tired, Al. <laughs> Enjoy the wedding. I'm glad you came on to, uh, to, to wish us well. That's so awesome. Yeah. Thanks for being here. And thanks for all the work that you've done for the, uh, for the line. Exactly. All right, and, and amazingly, we're we're ramping up to a giveaway already. So um, I see that we have people subscribed in. I'm going to be dropping the question in the chat, the trivia question. Just so you all know, the first thing we're giving away, uh, courtesy of Jim uh, with Modiphius, uh, we're going to be giving away two Captain's Log PDFs. Uh, so we're going to uh, do the first question right now. Uh, let me go ahead and drop that in the chat. And whoever responds first, let me tell you how this goes, and I'll repeat it again. Whoever responds first in the chat, you know, you're going to have a handle. So I'm not going to know who you are. So um, what I'll be doing is after I answer the question, I'm going to put my email in the chat. You email me in order to redeem the gift. I'll work that out with Jim. So it's pretty easy. So let's go ahead and start with the first question. And whoever answers first, again, uh, is the winner. Which Star Trek captain has an artificial heart? Someone has to know which Star Trek captain has an artificial <laughs> heart. Let's put that there in. There we go. Gray Spectre 2200. All right. There you go. Fantastic. There You're you our go. first winner of the Captain's Log. Fantastic. All right. I'm going to put a second question. 
Second question here again. Once you win, once you win, by the way, you only get one prize. So, so uh, you can't win twice here. All right. So, Makes uh, sense. here's the second question for another Captain's Log PDF. Captain Picard has an artificial heart because a member of what species stabbed him? <laughs> <laughs> what? And and you better get the spelling right too. Spelling counts. So Captain Picard has an artificial heart because a member of what species stabbed him? <laughs> Anyone? Nausicaa. Good enough. Remy Mort. Good enough. Nice. And again, my email is congratulations. Michael. Yeah, congratulations. So my email is michaeldismeek1 at, g- <clears throat> at gmail.com. Um, so I'll be looking for those. And of course, I have the text of all this. So we'll make sure the right person gets the prize. Right, Jeff? Yes. Yep. Okay, good. All right. I'm going to invite, we weren't going to do it initially, uh, but if Nathan, Aaron, and Thomas, if you want to stay on, uh, because we haven't heard enough from you, I would love to, because right now we're going to introduce, um, we got three big writers coming in right now. We have Scott Pearson, we have Dayton Ward, and we have Kelly Fitzpatrick, who we're going to welcome to the show. So let's have them all roll in. Awesome. A big party. <laughs> Here they come. Oh, this looks good. This is like the Brady Bunch. I got nine things going on here. <laughs> this is actually better than I could have imagined. Let's start. Ke- Kelly, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Welcome to our 100th episode extravaganza. Hi, thanks for having me, Michael. Uh, I am a writer for Star Trek Adventures uh, and have done some editing. And uh, I love looking at Star Might Trek. Might be on mute. I can't hear her. I hear her. You're, you oh, yeah, sound okay. great. You're great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I love looking at Star Trek from a storytelling perspective. Oh, and you sure do. It was nice meeting you in person finally at Gen Con this year. Yeah. That was so nice. All right. Scott Pearson. Welcome. Hello. Thanks. Glad to be here. <laughs> Tell I'm us a, what you do for the Star game. Tri- uh, well, I have uh, both write and edit on Star Trek Adventures. Yeah. And, and then what's all and that behind wait. you? What was that? What's all that behind you? Tell us everything you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a tiny fraction of my Star Trek wall in my office. Uh, I own all the uh, official Star Trek fiction. I have written Star Trek fiction for Simon & Schuster, and for the last eight years, nine years, I've been the copy editor of the Star Trek novels. Wonderful, wonderful work. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Dayton Ward, introduce yourself as if you have to. I would hope so. I would hope I'd have to introduce myself. Who am I? Um, my name is Dayton Ward, and I write a rather unhealthy amount of Star Trek fiction, including the manuscript that Scott is waiting for as we speak. <laughs> so, uh, I'm also a consultant to Paramount Global as a, on matters of publishing, so I help with uh, comics and novels and games and anything with a narrative, oh my. including modifious items from time to time. So cool. And so this is going to actually be a really good conversation um, with you all here um, joining us on. And it's RPG as literature. <laughs> There's this term and people are talking about it more. Um, where do you see it happening? How does it in, 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 uh, inform what you do, the, the bridge between RPG and literature? Kelly, maybe you want to start and talk about that. Do you think RPG is literature or is it just a game? Oh, absolutely. I see it as literature. Uh, It is storytelling. You have to think about uh, character arcs and character development and character choices and how those impact uh, the story. You have to think about plots and how to engage uh, those who are 
uh, reading it or, or for games, uh, you know, who are playing it. Uh, and all everything that is relevant for setting and world building in literature is also relevant in games. So I see them as sort of two sides of the same coin. They, they have a lot of the same craft elements to making a good story. Cool. And I want people to jump in on this question that I'm about to ask. This is a conversation. Pretend we're having coffee or whatever your favorite refreshment is. Is it worth writing literature if you're only writing it for yourself? Like if you're doing RPG and doing your own post-action play, is it worth it? Should people even bother? Yeah. yeah Why not? Absolutely valued. Yeah. I mean, it's because some... you're exploring aspects of yourself as well when you're writing for yourself. Okay. Dane, what were you saying? No, I was, yeah, you can write for yourself, for your own self, self-satisfaction, uh, no, no audience required. Uh, that's how a lot of writers get started, is they just record their thoughts and their ideas and their dreams and their hopes in a journal, and then eventually, maybe it makes its way into the world, or maybe it doesn't. It's all valid. Yeah. It's been interesting, people shutting themselves down with self-criticism, even, on, on oh, well, it's not worth doing. Um, what would your words be to inspire them to anybody here? Like, like how many people here, by the way, do do writing? I know some of you, we're not all published, but on your own, you write whether or not someone reads it. Oh, yeah. Constantly. Constantly. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, there's no guarantees. I mean, well, even if you want other people to read it, if you're pursuing uh, self-publishing or traditional publishing, there's never a guarantee that someone is going to read it, you know. So it's a it's a hope, uh, but you can't let that uh, stop you from expressing yourself, however you want to do it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Jim, you know, we've been looking online where people like doing Captain's Log have almost been self criticizing themselves out of starting it. That's a solo RPG, right? Mm -hmm. And and we've addressed that. What would you talk to those people right now who are? holding the dice and hesitating just jumping into the game for themselves yeah i mean i just say do it do it and have fun because no one's especially if you're just doing it for yourself if you're not going to share it with anybody then don't you know don't worry about it just have fun do something creative do something different um it's when you start sharing with people then you need to start building on the armor a little bit and just be prepared like the moment a creative person shares their stuff with the world you're going to instantly get criticism whether it's well-meaning or not i mean that's just the nature of the beast uh artists musicians writers everybody creative um will immediately get open to criticism and that's just the nature of the of the world right and the internet has exacerbated that because random people hiding behind their uh their avatars or their screen names can do whatever they want and say whatever they want and uh it's so easy to be mean <laughs> right so uh, i'd say if you're if you're just playing it for yourself at home for the love then just, you know, go for it. You're not going to get it wrong. Uh, it's only going to be as creative as you want it to be. So just uh, jump into it, use the tools and uh, and see what you can come up with. Yeah. Can I can I add something to um, of course. I think I think if you I think if you have an ambition to be a writer or an artist or a creative person, I, I know there are a lot of people out there that feel like they could but never take the step to actually do to, to start. Mm -hmm. they, they want the opportunity, but they don't understand that, like, you have to build a body of work and you have to be comfortable with nobody caring about the first 98% of the work that you do. Like, you know, it's not until you cross. I mean, there's a there's a great video by Ira Glass from This American Life where he talks about there's a, this gap between you might have good taste and you might understand that something this is a good novel. This is a good painting. This is a good video game or whatever. 
And then, but when you go to make your own drawing or write your own story, they're like, oh, what I wrote isn't very good. And then a lot of people just give up at that point because they think like, oh, well, I, I'll never be able to make something that I think is good or, or matches my expectations. And then, but the, the way to become a professional creative person, there's a little, certainly a little bit of luck and, and networking that goes into that. But a, a lot of it is just doing the work, making stuff over and over again, writing stories over and over again, um, mm -hmm. drawing over and over again, making 3D models or whatever. You have to make your craft and you have to seek out other people who are better than you and learn from them. You can find a mentor so much the better, but otherwise just look online for examples, good examples of, of other work that people are doing and figuring out what makes their stuff good and then copying it <laughs> in your work. Um, mm -hmm. And and it's a process. It's a long, arduous process that takes a ton of work. But you have to start, right? You have to do the initial round and you have to be comfortable with the idea that like nobody's going to the first stuff you do. It's just not going to be good. You know, you might unless you're Mozart or something or, you know, like there you might be really uh, have an innate talent. And that's awesome. But you also have to be comfortable with the idea that you don't. And uh, and if you but if you do have ambition, the, the way to fulfill that ambition is just hard work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. how, how do you yeah. all feel that RPG informs your ability to hear different voices that you might write? Mm -hmm. That's a question. I guess you have to learn to uh, approach the storytelling from different points of view, different types of characters, different, you know, different emotional reactions, I guess. I mean, it's, it's a lot like writing a novel with multiple points of view, but... Um, you have to, and, and you have to learn to be more open-ended <laughs> with your storytelling impulses. Like that was my biggest learning curve uh, when I started contributing material. Is as a novelist, I have to figure out everything. And as a game writer or a contributor to a game, I have to fight that. It's like the the, the, the gamers will figure this out, and they'll probably be smarter than I am when they do it. So trust that instinct, you know. Mm. Uh, well, and also you're not necessarily going to be, you're not creating the main characters no. for the game. You're creating mm -hmm. the secondary characters because the primary characters are going to be the players mm -hmm. bringing their own characters to it. So that's, that's another aspect of it that's so different from being a straight uh, fiction writer that, made, that makes writing for RPGs a huge challenge to, to shift your, uh, your mindset you're not creating the characters but you have to create the opportunity for characters to grow and so you still yeah. have to build in these inflection points that are like uh opportunities for a character to make a cool decision and and to do something neat uh but in a way that is open-ended so that it could work for whatever the character happens to be yeah. you have to fight the impulse to lead them toward your preferred conclusion you have to provide <laughs> multiple forks in the road and say, well, you know, you're going to die over there probably or whatever. <laughs> and that's okay, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting learning curve, and I admire the people who make it look so easy. Yeah. yeah. And Nathan, when you designed the game, that social conflict was, was really about that, right? Capturing that and pushing the characters into conflict? Yeah, I mean, social conflict, um, that part of it um, was very much meant to... Um, model the uh, those the, those tense situations that are resolved through words that are, you know, in, 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 um, a crucial part of Star Trek but I think from the perspective of 
character decisions, I think it values and directives and um, the determination economy is much more, more central to, you know, your character is faced with difficult with, with something difficult. How do they react? You know, do they lean on their beliefs? Do they, you know, cue towards the, the rules and the regulations and the mission? How do they go? And having some um, mechanical ways to nudge characters in one way or the other, I think helps, helps bring out some really interesting experiences at the table. Yeah, breaking things is important. And we talked about that before on the ship. Is a good literature is about breaking things and pushing conflict, right? And so, again, with RPG, have you ever been surprised or people here, you know, watching it or, or I'll even offer this to, you know, Scott and Dayton who may not play, but they, they write novels. Have you found yourself surprised in the game how characters react, maybe around the table? Aaron, maybe we'll start with you. I know we play a lot of conflict with yours. And is it predictable? you know, when you're, when you're playing with the group? No, it's not predictable. And that's what's great about it. Like a, a lot of times I think I know where the scene is going, but it goes in a different way because the other characters that are there are going to react in their own way. So it's a lot like improv. It's yes. And we use that term a lot in, in, in it. And I think even when writing for the game and writing adventures, cause I have written a lot of standalone adventures you have to think with that in mind, this yes and, uh, putting out these plot beats that are just going to be there for anyone to pick up in a lot of different ways and roll with it. Yeah, yeah. you can give direction to the game master, but that's just that's just a direction. There's a lot of ways to get, get to the next plot beat, so to speak. And I love writing, asking questions like Kelly, Scott, Dayton. When you're writing a novel, not even RPG, do you ever surprise yourself, get up, walk around? Do you, does that ever happen to y'all? Oh, yeah. I mean, with the Star oh, yeah. Trek there fiction. There are times where you, you have an idea. I'm just going to say there are times where characters surprise you because you have an idea for a scene, but as you try to put yourself in the mind of that character and write it, it just, that character takes it in a whole other way. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Dayton and Kelly. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, when you write, particularly when you write licensed fiction, you know, you have an outline, so you have a rough idea, roadmap of where your story is going to go. But, and it usually happens at like three in the morning when you realize that the part of your outline that you're hinging your current chapter on sucks. And so it's time to come up with a new one because uh, that whole idea just fell apart. Sounded good in theory, but when practice, it's not very good. So then you have to engineer a a solution so yeah you can surprise yourself and then because the characters are usually telling you this by this point you just don't realize it like the story is going in a direction and you're just sort of following what the characters do and you realize yeah that's not going to work the way i envisioned them working out this problem so now i have to come up with a new one it's interesting it's like i said it's coke fueled uh the soda not the other thing <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Yeah, that's been my experience also uh, of knowing uh, who your character is and sort of what's driving them. And sometimes that develops over the course of writing a, a book. I'm working on several novels right now. And and the person I thought this character was at the beginning uh, turns out, you know, I learned things about them as I go. Um, but the the concept in STA of having those driving values of like, this is this is who this person is. If If you know that going in, I think that makes a really... Uh, it's really helpful when you're writing when you're writing literature or novels to essentially know what's the starting point for the character, and then they they might surprise you in how that unfolds or how they change. 
Um, but I think that's a really cool thing that's baked into STA is that you, you have these values as a character and you can challenge them and you can develop them and you can replace them as you go, which is very similar to how real real life works. I think uh, I read somewhere somebody described it as and I think it applies more to gaming than uh, game writing than regular prose is you're not so much writing a story as you're you're watching what your characters do and then drafting an incident report. <laughs> okay, then this is fun. I, I love. We'll take it from both literature and from RPG. So anyone here who's played it, H have you ever created a character that you hate to write, but you they're intrinsic to the story, but you hate them? Have you ever created a character like that? I've created I'm, characters I'm who are annoying. <laughs> yeah, annoying. I've created annoying characters, and I've created characters that you love to hate, but I don't know that I've created one that I loathe. I mean, I've written bad characters. I've written villain characters or, you know, people that have no redeeming qualities whatsoever, so it's very satisfying when they finally get theirs, right? <laughs> so. That's funny. And what about in RPG, too? I think some people are afraid to create the annoying character and be the annoying character. Like to have, be the, I don't want to say Garrick, I love Garrick, but maybe, you know, someone doesn't think Garrick's a good guy, you know, but... I, people should really lean into that. So do you, you know, Nathan, Aaron, Thomas, who play, uh, Jim, you play RPG. Do, what would you do to encourage people? Hey, have a character who's not that redeemable, maybe. Maybe they have a, some some annoying characteristics. What's the benefit of jumping in? Yeah, I mean, I, I, would, um, I would just caution people that, you know, you have to make sure that everybody on at the table is still having fun, even while you're playing a character like that. Because you you don't want you don't like I you know or, or I think young or or new uh, RPG players, uh, especially the games like Dungeons and Dragons where you can sort of pick your moral alignment. They're like I'm going to be a rogue and I'm going to steal all the other part. You know everybody in the party. I'm a rogue and so my whole job is to steal stuff and they're going to steal everybody <laughs> else's stuff, and like that just gets annoying super fast, right? And so, um, and and thankfully with Star Trek we have a you know I think we have a moral framework work within like if you're on a starfleet ship you know there are expectations of starfleet officers and so the rules and guidelines that sort of prevent people from going to that extreme um but you just have to make sure that like even if you're um that your group is still having fun with you being that person at the table like it's it's a it's a shared experience right um and uh and so it's not just about like my fun it's about everybody at the table their fun and the game master, like, are they having fun? Um, and so if you're the game master and you have an NPC like that, also make sure that the players actually, like, get something out of interacting with that person. And it's not just like, oh, this guy again. It's, it's you know, so just that that's my two, two cents on that scenario. It's, it's like, um, to, you know, to go to a more extreme example, it's like player versus player conflict in a, an RPG. You know, that can be very difficult to handle at the table. And what you need to aim for is the part where the characters are in conflict with one another, as long as you remember that the players aren't. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very good point. And I, I think that making making annoying characters or anything like that, even in Star Trek, is acceptable as long as that character also has very redeeming traits or reasons why they might be annoying in specific situations. And again, I think Michael asked this question and looked at me. By, because I play a Tellerite in, in our online game, <laughs> who's aggravating in a lot of ways, but 
it's always a very focused kind of anger or frustration that he has. But otherwise, he's like just a regular person like any other Starfleet officer. So you just have to direct it in a certain way and make sure that the other players understand where it's coming from. It, it's it's lovable. I want to say one of the things that, uh, Jim, you're going to ask something? Uh, yeah, but go ahead, Michael. Finish your thought on that. Well, I was gonna, it, it, it's based off Aaron's character. Because he creates this character who is so uh, in conflict, and I don't want to call him annoying, that wouldn't be the proper word for it, but so the personality is so rooted and so fixed, I can create plots knowing that there's going to be certain reactions that are going to drive the plot even thicker and drive it deeper. So not everyone's flat. Not not everyone has to be agreeable all the time, which is really boring in a literature, right? In a book, if everyone's agreeable, you don't want to read that book. So I'm encouraging players, game masters, create characters who are kind of set in their ways, they, their personality, idiosyncrasies, because you can really drive that and create some hilarious situations. I can honestly say that my stories are nothing without the characters having their own internal conflict. That really Ideally, you want a Spock and a McCoy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. so design those characters thusly. <clears throat> Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, I was going to say, just, you know, that being said, you know, if we, if we hearken back to the literature angle a little bit, you know, the, the redemption story is a classic of, uh, of literature, right, and of gaming. And I think if you're a player who wants to play a character who is, you know, abrasive and has issues, but you want to the, develop them and you want to redeem them over the course of the campaign or the season or whatever, um, if, you're bo- if your group is on board with that and your game master is on board with that and, like, you have a good team of people that you're all working together to play the game, you know, sure, play play a play a character who's got some really rough edges that that is on the dark side of things, and then kind of you can bring them through over the course of the you know of your campaign or even just the first season. Well, I mean, whatever the structure looks like, um, I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, I haven't seen that done myself in any of my games because uh, you know we we've usually hearkened more toward the you know Starfleet is a team working together, and there weren't really a lot of lone wolves in the in the group but it could be done i think um and i think you would just need to have a really good session zero with your group and your game master make sure everybody's on board so that you're not you know ruffling feathers unintentionally but uh, i think there's some value in that and i mean find a player's motive find a character's motivation don't just be edgy for the sake of being edgy Uh, as long as your character has a well-motivated reason for doing what they're doing then it can make for a lot of interesting interplay and can help your character grow beyond that edginess yeah Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing is I think players should be willing to say, hey, I'm going to take a loss. I'm going to fail. Um, talk to the game master about it. The other players may not be aware of why you're losing, maybe losing rank, losing position, losing reputation. For the sake, that becomes a career event that later you look back on and you, and you love those moments. I think about a character that was written into the Vanguard novels, which I just finished, Reyes, the uh, station uh, a commander. Diego Reyes, I think that was his name. Um, and he... Uh, without giving spoilers, by the end, and all the failures and mistakes and trials and tribulation, you're in love with the guy. By the end, mm-hmm. and and that really, if I'm playing RPG, that's how I want my character to be. Five years down the line, I want to be able to look back at my character and be like, "Wow, they went through so much, but they made it. Their values, you know, came through." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look at look at Nog, right? I mean, uh, not not the same because he wasn't he wasn't necessarily. Uh, um, 
you know, the same type of character we're thinking of, but he started in one particular place. And then over the course of six, you know, seven seasons, he ended up in a very different place. And that, that whole character progression, that is something that you could plan with your character from the very beginning, get your game master on board, get your fellow players on board and say, Hey, you know what, for this particular game, this is the kind of character I want to play. And this is the kind of journey I would like to try to get on. But I want to discover things as I go too, as, as we're playing all together as a group and each other character in the group is going to be on their own journey too. Right. Um, but uh, I think, you know, if you have a, if you are that kind of a player and you have a clear vision of where you want your character to start at and to end up with potentially, you know, depending on what the game master wants to do too. Uh, I think that could be really amazing um, to, to do that. And of course with captain's log, right. If we talk about captain's log really briefly, um, you can do whatever you want with your character. Cause it's just you, right. It's just you in the book. Like you can do literally anything you want. If you want to do a, a redemption story for, I don't know, gold Ducat, Sure. Write that story. Uh, how do you redeem gold Ducat? <laughs> right. You know, do an alternate universe story for him. Uh, you know, Nick Lacarno, Tom Paris. Uh, there's lots of examples of characters that, uh, I mean, hell you could even do a story about Kai Wynn and bring her redemptive uh, values out. Right. Uh, Why not? It's so possible. <laughs> Sometimes you ask too much. You got to push, right? You got to push. You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't just do the easy stuff. Right? You got to be willing to do the hard stuff sometimes. <laughs> That's what I love about Jim. He's always swinging for the fences. <laughs> <laughs> well, well and, and on that too, what about, you know, we've, we've touched on this in the Game Master's Guide and some of the other books is a character's death or end. It could be, you know, prison or whatever. Um, and this goes to, again, to the writers here, you know, you know, to Kelly Dayton, Scott, and to us avid players. Is there a time where it's kind of broken your heart because you're like, you know, the only way to really make this story work is this sad ending or something. Have you ever had to experience that? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, not in, a, not in a game, but for sure in like stories and novels. Um, but I really love a good satisfying tragedy where there's like meaning in either a sacrifice or in uh, characters accepting this is the end and here's, here's what I'm going to make out of that. I find mm. that to be really satisfying in, in literature. Uh, and so I could see it being really satisfying in a game. Like Jim said, if everybody's <laughs> on board with that, um, that could be a really beautiful thing. Yeah, tragedy is my preferred storytelling method. Um, I'm a big fan of like the Kurosawa type stuff and just a lot of the, I don't know, tragedy is, uh, tragedy I think builds for better story. It's not how your characters die, but it's how, it's not, it's not if they die, it's how they die kind of situations. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think for me, it makes things more <clears throat> serious in the game. When the other player, you have a player who says, you know, I'm going to go this tragic end. Again, it doesn't have to be death, but I'm going to take this tragic exit Kind of everyone else in the game kind of wakes up like, ooh, could that be me? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I had that happen in one of my games ages ago. Um, we were three three real years into a campaign, and uh, one of the one of the players in the group said, "You know what? I'm I'm done with my character. Like I've I've done everything I don't wanted to do with this character. I'm bored. I want to go play this, the chief tactical officer. Right? I'm, I just I don't want to be the chief medical officer." Uh, he came to me and a, another guy were co-GMing the game, and he said, "Write me out of the, write me out of the, write this character out of the campaign. Give me a good death, and then let <laughs> me play this new character." And this was the first time this had ever happened. Like I'd, I'd never had a player come to me and say, "Hey, I want to kill my character in game, but make it cool." And and so that gave me and my co-GM a, a cool opportunity. We're like, "Okay, well, let's figure out how to kill your character, make it meaningful, so that it's not just like a one-off throwaway death, like you know, poor Tasha Yar. Like it, it actually had some 
meaning behind it. And we did it and it was a great session. And all the, all the other players were totally blown away that we were actually willing to kill this character. Cause that, we had mm-hmm. never done that before. Um, and so we were like, no, this character is actually really, truly dead. And then next session we introduced the, his new character. Right. And, uh, for, for a player to take that initiative was really inspiring. And that's what I would encourage all players out there to do is like, don't just sit there, be passive and let your game master dictate the story to you. Take some ownership of your character and even of the game too, right? Like you, especially with, um, I mean, just the game mechanics with, you know, momentum and your, your ability to shape the scenes to some extent, right? Even just be willing to go meta a little bit and, and think about the game as a whole and uh, what your character can do and what your other characters can do. So, you know, be collaborative. Uh, with that don't just let the game master dictate it uh like like because I, I, I know there's a lot of games out there where they are really driven by the game master mm. and the players are just kind of along for the ride right you know i think uh, star trek and other narrative type of games that are based on you know narrative ips you have an opportunity to you know you're, you're not just a player be a writer be a producer you know even be a director sometimes like you can do a lot of stuff uh, with this game that you maybe wouldn't do with um with other games yeah i will say that i've been running games for a long time and i started obviously with i mean the first game i ever ran was star trek or uh, star wars uh the old west end games version and i've run star trek in various versions and uh i've run a couple of i've, I've been running star trek adventure since it came out and i will say that trying to get into the game from a perspective of dungeons and dragons and trying to be narrative heavy as a game master doesn't lend itself as well to this game as being more collaborative and having players take more agency over their characters. Um, I've had in a, in the Star Trek Europa game that I ran, we had the captain wanted to die. He wanted to play a new character. He was a trill. He wanted to explore the ideas of his, his uh, symbiote going into another character uh, and playing that same character on the ship and everything else. And we did that. And it was uh, the players largely knew it was coming and it was still a shock to all the players that we did it. Uh, and it does add a lot. And it, it was the character's choice. And I let the players really dictate the vast majority of my storytelling for that campaign. I mean, I think it made it for a better game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now, Jim, just so you know, we're punished. NC Space Monkey says that that uh, we should do a continuing conversation riff episode, making Ducat and Kai win redeemable. So <laughs> we've been I punished. would be all over that. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, it makes me shudder. All right. So let's do a go around because I want to thank everyone uh, who's been in this segment about Star Trek RPG as literature really deep stuff but let's do a go around and maybe you know 100th episode what you have to say about uh not only continuing conversations um and star trek adventures but even you know what what you're looking forward to for the future as we start doing these sign-offs so let's start with you aaron paul yay what do you have to say i'm excited for the future because i can collaborate with all of you wonderful writers at some point and i have often in the past already and it's exciting to think about the possibilities of the future with that thank you thank, thank you so you. much thank you yeah uh, thomas Maroney. yeah i'm um uh i mean not to I, <laughs> copy aaron's homework but i you know i'm i'm just excited about um uh seeing what the next thing is that uh that is going to be added to the star trek adventures line that's it's always really exciting and I, I love the you know i love all the the world building that goes into all the sidebars and stuff that's all really fun in these books the art is always amazing uh, in Modiphius books and Star Trek Adventures. Um, I use that to inspire me when I'm thinking about Star Trek Online stuff sometimes. I'll look at the, you know, all the cool, like, Starfleet people in action uh, draw, uh, paintings and stuff in the SDA books. And and it's really inspirational and gets me thinking about, you know, the, the, the final frontier. So just just can't wait to see what's next. That's so deep. Mm-hmm. That's so deep. I see Jim just sitting there 
I'm soaking it up. I'm soaking it up. <laughs> All right. Uh, Nathan Dowdell, what about you? What do you have to say? I There is something very specific that I'm looking forward to uh, getting to see the outside world. And Jim probably knows what it, uh, what it is I'm, uh, I'm referring to, but we're not allowed to talk about it yet. <laughs> we don't get one spoiler on a hundredth episode no. of Shavaganza. Oh no! I'm not going to be the one to give it away. Other okay. than save your latinum. Okay. okay, everyone, you Bands. didn't hear it here. You didn't hear it here first. <laughs> Just so you know. Scott, what about you? Oh, I I continue to look forward to working on uh, everything that all of you people send me, and uh, I'm also looking forward to diving into Captain's Log myself. Please, once you do, let's do a show about what your experience was like for that. That would be so cool to hear about what your first story is that you pump out. Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, let's do that. I can't. It won't happen quickly because I'm busy on many things, but uh, sure. I, I will definitely be doing it. That's exciting. All right, two more to go. Dayton. Yeah, it's just been uh, amazing to watch this game evolve over the years. I mean, the work that Dayton and Aaron and Jim have put into this thing and and then opened it up to people like Scott and Kelly and myself to contribute. It's been wonderful to watch it evolve. No idea that it was going to do that. We all had high hopes for it. Don't get me wrong. I always want everything to work when it's got Star Trek on it, but uh, it's been great to watch it evolve and thrive and just grow beyond expectations. I can't wait to see what you all have next. Super fun. And Kelly, close us out before we get to our next giveaways. Uh, well, as a writer, it's truly amazing to work with everybody on this team. Uh, and then going to conventions and seeing just how many people love using Star Trek Adventures to tell their own Star Trek stories is just so inspiring. I always love talking to folks who are, who are playing the game uh, at events. And uh, I've loved getting to contribute uh, so far and hoping for uh, looking forward to future possibilities. This is an amazing game uh, and has just done amazing things for the community. It's truly has, truly. And then uh, thank you all for coming. I'm going to go ahead and put some questions in the chat right now. We have two more trivia questions. Um, this is the first one. Oh, this is another Captain's Log PDF giveaway, what we're doing now. So here goes the question in the chat. This is easy. People who are typing in. Again, if you've already won something, you can't win again. But what is Deanna Choi's favorite food? I know. <laughs> Type that in the chat. <laughs> I know that one. Come on, that's going to be easy. Someone should be able to get that in the chat. First one to get the right answer wins the Captain's Log PDF. And it's got mint frosting on it. <laughs> Cellular peptide cake. I know. I'm in slow mode. Is something coming through, Jeff? There, wait, wait, who said Doritos? No. Doritos. <laughs> All right. All right. No, Daza got it. Yeah, chocolate he, ice cream. Okay, Daza. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's, well, it was, it's not specifically ice cream. It's you're right. Actually, I think so. J.M. Daly, actually, guys, just chocolate. Chocolate, it's anything. Chocolate. They Everything chocolate. They literally wrote a scene to fill a gap of time to let her make love to a chocolate sundae. Her favorite <laughs> food is chocolate ice cream. Is it chocolate ice cream then? Or We're going to go with chocolate ice cream know. or chocolate? Cho or chocolate specifically I think says she's chocolate. never met a chocolate she doesn't. She doesn't there you like. go. Ooh, yeah. Nathan Dowdell. So JM Daily 95, you get chocolate. Okay. So uh, again, my uh, email is michaeldismuke1 at gmail.com. All right. And then one more question for one more giveaway. For Hang on. I, I think you should give the Doritos guy a commendation. For <laughs> okay, Birdman Dog. <laughs> Chocolate Doritos, I'm sure he meant. Okay, good. Uh. Replicated Doritos. 
right, yeah, this, this one's going to be a tough I admit this is going to be a tough one, so I actually have a backup question because if anyone gets this one, again, for a Captain's Log PDF, I'll be surprised. What weapon did Kirk and Spock use when they fought for possession of T'Pring during Spock's Ponfar ritual in a mock time? <laughs> Look at all these geeks nodding their heads like, I know. Uh, First of all, it's weapons, plural. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Um, Does anyone know this one? I'd be really happy. If not, I have a backup question. Uh, uh, well, while we're waiting, just give the chat a little bit more time. I actually built some of these um, and staged uh, Kunit Kalafi at my friend's wedding reception. Um, <laughs> there's a video of it online. It was because it was something, you know, we were roommates in college and we bought it over Star Trek. And uh, and before way before he met his wife, you know, and, and we were you know, we were nerds and we did not have uh, um, a very long dance card, I guess you could say. Uh, and so we, we would joke about like, oh, well, if we if, we, if when I finally get married, Thomas, you're going to have to come to my wedding and, and stage a um to Calafee, and then he would like, you know, he acted out the whole thing, and so like I surprised. He didn't know I was going to do it, but I got his mom was a Star Trek fan, um, and his, you know, his bride was a, uh, she was into it too, and so I, I wrote a script for them, and so they were getting ready to do the first dance, and then and then uh, his wife was like, no, it like held out her hand, and then and then the groomsmen come in, and we built the little like. <laughs> Uh, things with the bells, you know, and so we're like shaking the bells. The bells. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. and um, yeah, and his mom read the script about. Um, but the joke was he was Catholic. Wait, wait, I have to make sure you had the fight music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did. The okay, DJ good. had okay. the fight okay. music okay. queued up. Okay, but okay. he was Catholic and I was Protestant, so instead of saying like Earth or human or whatever, she's like, you know, uh, you you want this Protestant to fight for you or whatever. <laughs> it was, it was great. great. Drop the link in the chat. And the winner is Black Bishop C8, who got Lerpa. Lerpa is the correct Lerpa. name of that weapon. That so Black Bishop of the C8. weapons. Oh, what? There's, there's, they use two weapons during, the, yep. uh, during mm -hmm. that fight. The Lerpa is the first one. Yes. And halfway through the fight, Spock uh, changes over, and it's an unwound. Wow! Wow! You right. could have answered with either that's a deep, one of those questions. That's a deep cut. <laughs> well, that's I think a... the the question the question was the question was both though, right? What weapon what was, did Kirk was... and Spock use? Oh, did, that's right, Kirk and Spock. Did they both use it, Nathan? They both used. They both started uh, they with both the Lerpa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Either way, we'll, we'll give them. Uh, th this is a bonus prize. We'll, we'll give them. We'll each get. We'll each get. They'll each get a uh, PDF. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So <laughs> both y'all. So both both of the winners. So Black Bishop and uh, um, uh, Captain Calhoun. Uh, we'll we'll do you a gift a PDF for both of you. Oh, that's awesome. Email email, email email Michael and, and and he'll get them to me and I'll get exactly. the PDFs to you. Remember, put, put your. Uh, I'll need your handle and of course when you send your handle uh, or you'll do that to me via email. We'll get your email. I'll forward it to Jim Johnson. All right, cool. All right, thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Scott. And Jason. thank you all. Sign yeah, up. Great seeing you all. I, I put that Thanks, link guys. in the in the Twitch chat if you guys want to watch it later. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Thanks uh, so much for partying with us. Uh, congrats yeah, on yeah, love, see, love, see, love seeing you all. Be well. Bye. See you later. All right. We'll give them a moment to exit, and we're gonna um, be inviting our next special guest. Right, and we're, we're kind of sort of still on schedule. We're off a little bit, but that's okay. We're I, doing I, good. We tried to fix it, and it worked out pretty well. Um, yeah. I'll go ahead and invite Derek Tyler Attico. <clears throat> He's in. Derek, good to see you. Oh, and I'm super excited because hello, uh, hello. we should have uh, Jackson and uh, 
and Colin on as well, right? Yep. Are they in the... Because uh... I literally just in the mail. I just got this yesterday uh... in, in the mail. I'm so excited. Oh, my goodness. They don't, Jack... they don't appear to be in the waiting room at the moment. Okay. What? Um, can you guys hear me? It's yes, okay. sir. Yeah, we can hear you, Derek. Good. Nathan, stay on with that. <laughs> no, I, can't, I can't see you, but I, I can't see you or hear Derek yet. I, 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 oh. I have a lag, I think. Oh. Uh, Jeff, maybe you can um, <laughs> send them an That's email so. for the login. Yeah. And we can get so. started still. Derek, introduce yes. yourself. Welcome to the 100th episode extravaganza. Oh, okay. I'm Derek Tyler Attico. I'm a oh, writer, sorry. I guess. I can, uh, I can I can see his video on Twitch, but not. I on, hear you, Derek. Uh, no, I hear oh, you hear me? Oh, do you guys? Yeah, okay, you hear me and yeah. see me? Yes. Yep. No. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think All the right. problem is just on Jim's end. So. Oh, okay. Sorry, Jim. Um, but yeah, it's great to see you guys. Yeah, I'm a. I'm a. Um, yeah, do I need to go out again, uh, Jeff? Do you think? I think so. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It, it, it won't. It won't affect the recording or anything. You're good to go. Okay. All right. So yeah, go I'm ahead, Derek. All right. So I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm a, uh, what am I? What am I? That's what I want to know. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a writer uh, of a writer of, I started out with, um, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, um, way back in 2005, uh, two times went after Star Trek Strange New Worlds anthology. And, um, now, uh, I'm also a writer for Star Trek Adventures, which is why we're all here. Um, which is such a great game and I have had so much fun with. And now I'm also a writer for the um, novels, the autobiography of Benjamin Sisko, which has been a lot of fun oh, to do. So I'm happy to talk. That. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And I'm, and I'm happy, really happy to talk about uh, Star Trek Adventures and, and, uh, and of course, the novel. So yeah, this is going to be a lot of a lot of fun, and I was just listening to you guys, and that was so much fun or watching you guys, and that was that was so much fun to uh, to watch. Nice. Okay, so then nice. what's yeah. the what what date does the autobiography of Benjamin Cisco drop? It's bounced around a lot, uh, but the settled date right now is November t- Tuesday, November twenty first. It's coming out uh, worldwide, uh, and uh, um, I think actually though in in London at Forbidden Planet only. I think they have some copies out that they're like pushing and because um, I think uh, Titan owns Forbidden Planet. So I think they're doing like some soft releases of it. But for everybody, for everybody, uh, it'll be November 21st and you can pre-order now and uh, you can read it and, and you know, see, yep. see what's uh, the origin story of Benjamin Sisko. And today we're giving away four copies. So we're going to be doing four pre-orders and shipping those direct. Me and De- T- Derek worked it out. So uh, four people tuning in today get a chance to get their <laughs> hands on that, which will be really cool. Um, yes. so very good. So, so Derek, I have to I have to tell you. Uh, first of all, my birthday yes, is sir. November ninth. My birthday is November nineteenth. So, so your your book is my birthday present to myself. I've pre ordered it. I'm waiting for it to get here. So whenever it gets here, that's my birthday present to myself. And uh, my question for you, because we haven't had you on the show yet to talk about the autobiography yet. I'm sure we'll do it at some point. Uh, but I remember you and I talking at Shore Leave four years ago. This must have been right before the pandemic. We were just throwing. We, we I think the Janeway autobiography had just come out. Right. And we right. were we were hanging we were hanging out in the bar, just catching up and talking about stuff. And I remember you had floated the idea of working on an autobiography of Cisco at some point. And I was with like, you. yeah, that's a cool idea. Right. Yeah, with yeah. me. And, and yeah. I was like, yeah, that's a cool idea. Let's let's figure it out. Right. And then I got busy with uh, STA. Right. And I, I am so thrilled to to hear that you kept it going. So I want to know, like, what was the genesis? Like, how did you go 
from like just us chatting about it. And then how did you just keep it? How did you keep it going? And how did it all work out? Man, well, well, first of all, I want to answer that. But first of all, while I'm thinking about it, um, Michael, what I want to do uh, for those four winners is because I probably won't be able to, to, to sign for them. But I, um, I want to get their addresses and maybe put like a personalized card to send to them with it. Heck be, yes. Right? Right? That'll yes. be cool so that okay. they can have that as an insert. All right. So, okay. and to, to answer your, your, your question, Jim, um, yeah. you know, that didn't happen. That discussion, you know, it didn't happen. And I was like, ah, well, that's not, that's not going to happen. And you know, we, as writers do, you know, we moved on to other things, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then there was um, some podcast was talking about the autobiography. And I don't know what, unfortunately, I don't know what podcast, but some podcast was talking about the autobiographies from Titan Books, because Titan has done some really mm -hmm. great work doing the autobiographies of captains. They've done Kirk, they've done Spock, they've done Picard, and they've done Janeway. And yeah. someone on Twitter mentioned, well, they skipped uh, Cisco and they did, they did um, Janeway. And they should, mm -hmm. do, they should do Cisco. And if they do Cisco, this guy, Derek Attico, wrote a really cool Cisco story in 2016. Mm -hmm. And that got some traction on Twitter. So one day I, I'm, I'm on Twitter and I'm like, why is like Twitter like two, 300 feeds on Twitter blowing up my name? What is going on? And so that was what was happening. And then like a year after that. And so then um, basically Titan took notice of that. Mm -hmm. And then a year after that, um, Titan, from what I understand, Titan, uh, through the grapevine, read the Cisco story, The Strange New Worlds 2016, uh, Cisco, which is a Benny Russell story, The Dream and the Dream. And from reading that, and I guess from some, the, 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 the buzz on Twitter, they were like, oh yeah, this guy couldn't actually write the uh, autobiography. And they reached out to me. And I was like, what? What is happening? What, <laughs> you know, what, what is going on? Um, yeah. And um, it was just really uh, incredible. Uh, George Sanderson, um, uh, editor, uh, managing editor over there at Titan, uh, we had a great discussion about our mutual love for, for um, uh, Star Trek and Deep Space Nine. And uh, they had a, a, a way that they wanted to go. They wanted to basically do well, their idea, a suggestion to go was with um, Jake writing his book, Anselm, that in canon that he has, you know, we know that he's written and it's like his biography and he wanted to include uh, uh, Cisco's biography in that as well. So you would get like Jake's biography and, and Cisco's biography. And I, I, I like that idea and I think that should be done, but I thought that this would be a full biography of, of Ben Sisko in his own words. Mm -hmm. And so I, I suggested to, um, to George how I thought we could accomplish that. And he liked my idea. And he's like, all right, I like what you're doing. I like the idea you have. So let's go with that. And, you know, then, then I had to achieve that, of course, you know, and put that into mm -hmm. motion. And um, then we were off to the races. Uh, uh, so, um, you know, I'm really excited for everyone to, uh, to see what, what I, uh, what I did and to take a look at, um, this origin story that I think is, um, 30 years in the making. Yeah. Awesome. I, I, I had the privilege of reading the, uh, Janeway book by Dr. Luna 
McCormick too. Oh, and and I, I had that after I read it, I was thinking to myself, wow, did she go back and watch every single episode and catch every detail and write that in? So now I get to ask you, <laughs> did you go back and watch every single episode? <laughs> I watched a lot of Deep Space Nine, a lot of Deep Space Nine. Uh, I don't think I watched every episode, but I watched a lot. And I think, you know, as writers of Star Trek, a lot of it's just already in our heads, you know? Um, uh, the first thing I did was I tried to see if I could get Cisco's voice. I already had his voice from 2016. Um, but I think I watched In the Pale Moonlight probably like 10, 15 times. Because that's, that's the episode where it's just, it's just Ben Cisco speaking, you know. And that's the, also the episode where Mr. Brooks is just going. And it's, it's so you can get his, his voice. Um, but but actually, uh, I, I did that for a little bit, and then I, to be, if I'm being really honest, I just turned it all off, you know, because you don't want to get so bogged down in episodes that you lose sight of what you're doing. You want to trust that what you have is enough, mm -hmm. and then you just want to fly, you know. Um, and that's what I did, you know. And I and the first thing I had to do was I had to deliver the uh, outline to to CBS. So I, I I realized that usually when I write. I write on the fly and I make changes and adjust. And even though I did a lot of work for you, Jim, you know, we'll, we'll talk and, and make adjustments as we go. And couldn't do that here. You know, I had to deliver something up front and I realized I was, I was locked in. Uh, so I took uh, a few days. Uh, I stood in the shower for a couple hours a lot, you know, and, and I, I just like, well, anything I write in this outline, I'm pretty much going to be locked in. That's going to be my guardrails. And um, I took like about a week just deciding what I wanted to be for his his origin story. And then um, I took um, a while to write that. It was several weeks, I think, uh, three or four, about three weeks, I think, to write uh, his, the outline, just the outline. And then that got submitted and then that got approved as, as is, which was great. And um, I was really happy about that. There wasn't really any adjustments to the outline. And then I was just off um, to the races on that. Mm -hmm. Michael, uh, Michael, you're muted. Yeah. There we go. Sorry. Are there any interim processes after you submit the outline before you submit the final manuscript that you have to do for approval? Oh yeah. Well, you know, you submit it, you you write, and then um, I, well, I, I'm personally used to like just two drafts. I usually I just write uh, a draft and then I write a second draft and I'm done. Um, not the case here, of course, uh, uh, because you submit and then everyone takes a look at it and then they have uh, suggestions. And it was really great uh, having uh, uh, George Sanderson as my editor it was really great because he would see things that, you know, I, I had a certain amount of tunnel vision because I was so laser focused on what I was doing. And he he had the uh, opportunity to be outside of what I was doing but still be there with me. So he was like, okay, I see what you're doing. Maybe you want to uh, pull back a little bit on this or maybe focus more on this. And then by the time uh, after he and I would make adjustments, he would get to CBS and then CBS would make really great suggestions. And I was like, oh, that's great. I can even dial it more. Uh, so I think it went through like three or four. Can, we, uh, can you give us a sample of something like that? Like where you had to pull back or... Yeah, yeah. Actually, I can. This is one scene I wrote that I was really like excited to write. Um, I can't really say what it's about, but it's during the uh, uh, Ben's Academy years, and, and, and I was really excited to write this scene. 
Um, and everybody was like, no, 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 no. Even, and, and um, Dayton was also on, on, a, on part of the committee for CBS, uh, was reading the scene. Everybody was like, no, this is just too much, man. You got to pull back. <laughs> so after reading what everybody sounds like, oh yeah, they're right, they're right. I need to pull back a little bit. I'm just swinging for the rafters. And I'm just, you know, I'm just really going all out. Uh, so I pull back and, and uh, pulling back, I look at the scene. I'm like, oh, wow, the scene works a lot better now that I, you know, okay. you, you, you always take people's advice, you, especially your, your editor. You don't, you don't think that everything that you're doing is like perfect because that's, that's just nuts, you know? So at um, some point, once the book is out, you're going to tell us more detail about that. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you that <laughs> scene and, 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 and what I had intended for that scene. Uh, mm-hmm. um, for sure, for sure. But um, because of their great advice, you know, I pulled back on that scene. And um, it's still a it's still a, a a phenomenal scene. At least I I hope and I and hope you know it's a phenomenal scene. I think it really works really well. The core of that scene is still there. Everything that I wanted is just um, pulled back, and and everyone's everyone's support to um, help me in that is is there. And it's it's, a, it's still the same scene, but I think it's just um, refined. Yeah. You know? BC Holmes asks, um, she's she's watching right now. She says, how many Creole recipes did Derek have to learn for this book? <laughs> uh, that's interesting. I, I wouldn't say uh, I have to learn any, and I know she's like like tongue in cheek, but I will say that um uh I uh I will say a, a little bit of a spoiler is that New Orleans is a, also a character in in this book, you know? It's, what do you um, mean by that? T- tell me more. You'll have to read it. You have to read it to find out, you know. I mean, the man, the man comes from New Orleans, you know. Um, his family has born and bred in New Orleans, and um, uh, one of the things that I did uh, once I, I I realized that I had the, the project was I spent about um, even before I because before I really went to look at any Deep Space Nine stuff, I spent about a, a month. Uh, or at least three weeks, just educating myself. I've never been to New Orleans, hmm. you know? And I educated myself on New Orleans and its history and the people and, and did, you know- Did you physically the, go there after? I did, I wanted to, I, I still want to, I have not, you know? And, First stop on your book I, tour. <laughs> for, for real, right? Uh, I would love to, I, I would, if anybody's listening, I really would love to do a, a, a book signing there um, because it's it's just a, a place that is, is rich with, um history and uh, American history and Amer- mm-hmm. African-American history. Um, and it's just so rich. And once I started um, diving in, I was like, there's no way this cannot be another character in this novel because it's a part, at least as, as I saw it, it becomes a part of who Ben is. And, and my job as a writer is to kind of present that so that, and maybe not overtly, but that as you're reading, you'll start to see, oh yeah, I understand that New Orleans is a part of him. And so a lot of some of the things that he does is because of you know where he was born and where he grew up, you know? So So that's interesting. Maybe Nathan and um Jim uh Jeff chime in on sh- this sounds to me like ship as a character. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, setting his character is really, really critical. In fact, that was the, that was one of the two things I was going to mention. If there was a if there was space to do so, in, from what I'm hearing from Derek, is number one, do your research. 
make the setting as real as a character, mm-hmm. right? That's what we do. That's why we have whole chapters devoted to creating your starship in, in Star Trek Adventures is because <laughs> right. like right. like your character is one thing, but like where they live and where they work over the entire course of your campaign and your missions, that is just as important. Like the Enterprises and DS9 are just as important as Cisco or, or, or the different characters, right? So like, it's awesome to hear that Derek did his research because I know he does. Like he, he does that all the time anyway for the work that he's done for us. Like you do your research and you make that setting a living, breathing thing, just like a character. Mm-hmm. You, you put in all the five senses, right? You know, so, you know, what are you hearing? What are you tasting? What are you touching? What are you, all that stuff. And make that seal scene that setting real for your players. They're going to be more immersed in it. They're going to be more into it. They'll be able to connect their characters to it more, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, Nathan, Jeff, anything else you want to add to that before I go on to my other um, point? Going back to what we were uh, what we were saying in the, the previous segment uh, about you know, the more collaborative elements and let the players uh, handle things. Mm-hmm. You know, the the ship in your game is the place where the players live and work. It's going to be as as shaped by them sure, as it shapes right. them in turn, mm-hmm. and that's so. You know what what a character's quarters are like, and the kinds of things that, you know how they decorate their their quarters, their personal base, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, how they how other characters relate to those spaces. I and mean, you see in the original series, Kirk's quarters on the Enterprise, they're, they're a private space. They're his personal office, and you know his bed. But Pike's quarters, a, a few years before. Are this huge open space right. where he hosts there. VIP dinners <laughs> and you know cap- and dinners at the captain's table. It's a very different sort of environment because he's a different type of captain. The man, has a, a the man has a fireplace. The man has a fireplace right in his quarters. <laughs> in his quarters. Yeah, I'm sure it's holographic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my only comment is uh, New Orleans is an easy city to make. No, I wouldn't say easy, but it's a, it's a great city to make a character because it is such a it has so much character to begin with. Um, mm-hmm. Just uh, uh, if you do go down there, head down to Cafe Dumond uh, and get yourself a beignet because they are really good. And that I think is the best place in New Orleans to get them. I love the city. So um, I'm looking forward to reading what you do with it. I want to see how it looks in the 24th century. Yeah. Give us a little advice. I'm really, I'm really curious. Like, 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 Derek, I can't wait to read it, but I'm really curious to find out if you were able to sneak in any references to uh, uh, Interview with a Vampire or Anne Rice's books, because I know those are all living and breathing in the in Orleans as well. Mm-hmm. No, I no, I can tell you now. No, I didn't do a lot of that uh, at all in regards <laughs> to New Orleans and the Interview with a Vampire. However, mm-hmm. I didn't forget uh, where I came from. So there are uh, straight up. I'm just going to say it here and, and, and debut it here. There are straight up Star Trek Adventures references. What? Yay! Nice. <laughs> oh, man. Now I'm going to really cool. turn this thing apart. <laughs> yeah. So for the, uh, for, the, for the gamer, for the game masters and the players out there, there's one other takeaway I want you to, if nothing else, like yeah, obviously be excited about the Cisco book. But Derek dropped in a great piece of knowledge in, in, his, uh, in his conversation about um, – about about characters and development and you know what now that i'm talking about it i just literally it just it just escaped my mind son of a gun <laughs> oh, I, I had I, the, the, you dropped a great piece of knowledge derek what the heck was it now i'm now, now i'm going to be dwelling on it well now. maybe you'll think about uh, it I, I, i'm going to take yeah think about it. go ahead michael i, I I'm, to think I'm about such it. a geek and don't nod or say yes or anything because mm. you know, i know american sign language so i'll be able to read your face derek <laughs> no tells <laughs> i'm gonna guess and let's see if i'm right jim calmerans that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. The what? The who? <laughs> I, I'll say. I'll say. Um, 
you know, I it's funny because uh, Dayton Dayton was reading the uh, manuscript and Dayton was like, "Oh, I see what you did there," you know, in, in the comments. You know, it was it was cool, and I was like, "Well, why why wouldn't I? You know, why wouldn't I? Um, um, if I had the opportunity, and if CBS didn't have a problem with it, why why, why wouldn't I? You know, yeah. um, and it's all it's all licensed material, so." Mm-hmm. And you what know? you did was pull a Thomas Maroney because you're bringing the world. Now you brought the novel world, right? STO. It's a, it's right. You're, I think you're the first person to join it like that for I, the I, novel aspect. May, maybe, maybe from from Star Trek Adventures. And there are elements in Cisco's uh, uh, autobiography that can definitely be played. Um, that that when you when when people read it, they'll be like, oh, I, I might like this aspect of. Of uh, uh, of what was done, and I might want to pull that out, strip that out, and put that in the game. And we, you'll understand more, you know, when it when it comes out. How does um, that so, make you feel, Nathan? How does that make you feel, Nathan? It's, yeah, it's it's always nice to see those kind of little, you know, cross connections. And, you know, those, those sorts mm-hmm. of references pop up. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I remembered my thing. Uh, okay. so this, this sounds like a good place to drop it in. So so Derek mentioned um, at a certain point. You can do all your research, but at a certain point, you just have to go and you have to get started. And you, have to, you have to start writing and just get into it. And don't don't let yourself get overwhelmed or intimidated by all the wealth of Star Trek material that is out there. At some point, you just got to start playing the game, start writing, whatever. So my encouragement to, to game masters and players out there and also writers, uh, if you're listening to Derek, like, sur- sure, do your research and stuff. But like at a certain point, just start playing the game, you know, read the rules, get what you need to do to play the game, get you know enough knowledge in your head to, to play your character or to, or to set up the setting or whatever. But at a certain point, just make it your own. Right. Don't don't feel like you have to wait and go watch 56 years of Star Trek because no one has time to absorb 800 episodes of Star Trek in a couple of weeks. Like just just do the best you can. But at a certain point, you just got to say, you know what, I can I could outline this thing forever. I can I can I can fill the brain forever, but at some point you gotta start putting words on the page or you gotta get the group at the table and start playing. So that's mm-hmm. that's my takeaway from 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 Derek's awesome uh, conversation here is uh, just a reminder, certain point, stop research, start writing <laughs> or start playing. Yeah. Or start having fun. That's exactly right, Jim. Yeah. Because yeah. it was it was the same thing with New Orleans, because I, I could just I could still be researching New Orleans now. You know, at some point I just had to stop and be like, okay, I've I've watched this the series Treme. I watched documentaries. I love documentaries. I read like two books on New Orleans, all in like the span of three weeks. And my girlfriend was like, oh my gosh, New Orleans again? You know, and I was like, I need to just get it in there, soak it in. And, and I think as a writer or as anyone, when you soak in so much, at some point it becomes subconscious mm-hmm. so that when you're like two months down the road, it's just like, oh yeah, I remember that thing about New Orleans. I remember about handkerchiefs. I remember about you know, um, second, second, second line, you know, I, I remember that. I remember this, you know, yeah. and so, our just, appetite. so, so we're going to do something about, yeah. you don't have to, well, you're welcome to stay to keep going as we keep going through. Cause we're going to still have some awesome guests we're bringing on, uh, Derek and Nathan, you're welcome to stay. I have giveaways to give away though. Let's start with, um, before we start with your four copies, now we're going to know that they're signed copies of, uh, of, uh, Cisco. Uh, we have a Klingon core rulebook to give away, right, Jeff? A special edition Klingon core rulebook. Um, I have uh, three of these actually, but I'm only going to give one a day, one, one away today. Um, Which is but, perfect because Derek worked on that too, right? Didn't you work on that, Derek? Nice. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was fortunate enough to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. 
So uh, basically, this book is uh, is donated to us by Adventure Inc., which is the store that I run. So donations oh. from me to the us. Thank you, Adventure Inc. Yes. Uh, cool. Shirt today, too. <laughs> All right. So the, the question that I have is what Star Trek, what was the first Star Trek episode which Klingons appeared? Mm, good question. That's oh, right. God. People are going to need time to research that. Probably. I figured I figured I'd do a harder one because it's a nice book. So and, and, <laughs> and no, no nice fair, book. no fair using Google to cheat. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if you don't know it. It's OK. No, we'll use Google. Something. We won't know. <laughs> oh, OK. Yeah. All right. Use AI. If you want to. Use ChatGPT. No, but I'll get you a wrong answer. Never use ChatGPT for accuracy. Don't use that. We may need to give time. While, while no, that's it right there. Lone, uh, one lone red shirt oh. has got it right there. Yay. Yeah. The, the name of the episode was Errand of Mercy. It was the 27th episode of the Star Trek original series first season aired in 1967. So that there you go. Great question. That was a great question. Okay. And, and so again, email me, uh, Aaron. Oh, I, I almost called them errand of mercy um email at uh one lone red shirt email me at michaeldismuke one at gmail.com make sure your handles included in that so we can match it um and i'll make sure that jeff harvey of uh, studio timbo gets that so we can ship that out to you congratulations all right yeah I'm, and I'm, also I'm, also make sure you get the email just because uh we'll ship out you know you'll ship out the print copy but you get a free pdf from modifius for it too so let, yep. let us know and we'll get that free pdf too yep and we will uh, as this is a purchase from adventure inc uh, if if uh, we can give you the, uh, the the PDF from them as well. So, yeah. Yeah. sweet. All right. Okay. My question is going to be much easier. Watch out. Watch out. Easy. This question again. This is one of the first giveaways for the autobiography of Benjamin Cisco, written by Derek Tyler Attico, who's with us today. Look how easy this question is. Someone better get it. Which character serves as the head of security for the space station Deep Space Nine? <laughs> Come on, it can't be easier than that. <laughs> Lamar. George Priman. <laughs> All right. Briefly, it was it was George Priman. Briefly, wasn't it? <laughs> there we go. There we go. Matt Capiche. I hope there that's you go, your Matt. real name. Nicely I hope done. that's your real name. Of course, it's Odo. How easy was that, Derek? Anything to say uh, uh, about that? They're getting they're the first giveaway of your book. Outstanding! Congratulations! I'm happy to uh, that you got it, and uh, I'm going to be putting that uh, personal. Uh, a card in there for you so all right great here's for the second book who created the bajoran wormhole look how easy these are how easy these are who created <laughs> the bajoran no. wormhole so you, you can't uh, win twice so on that uh the end of my last campaign that i ran actually dealt with the founding of the wormholes and all that kind of stuff because i thought it was really interesting so um that was the uh, in, in my game and I, I, I don't want to give the answer because I talk about what we have, what we did in my game. So come on, someone who created the Bajoran wormhole. You can't win twice. Has to be a new winner. I, I assume you mean in setting as opposed to who created it conceptually. Right. Yeah, yeah. God, that would be hard God. to track down. I want. I, God will not be an acceptable answer. I, I'm sure Species ten C. Species ten C. Right. I'm sure it was Berman and Pillar who put together the idea. <laughs> Maybe someone doesn't know. Is it possible? Ah, oh, wormhole aliens. That's good. I, I'll, um, I'll, I'll go with that. But what are they called? What, um, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it depends on what it depends on who you are, right? The Bajorans call them right. one thing. Right. That's, that's, right. that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. 
I unfortunately there think that go. person's uh, already. I do believe that person's already won something, though. Yeah, didn't you? Oh yeah, I think so. Oh no, Christian, I think I think you won something earlier. Yeah. Mm. But you know what? That mm-hmm. was a PDF, and I'm kind of okay because this is a hard copy book, and they've been tuned in the whole time. Sure, I think they still deserve it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Cushman, email me yeah. with that again. Michael Dismuke one. Cash it <laughs> in, right. Cushman. Nicely <laughs> done. Dr. Congratulations, <laughs> Doctor Aaron said. Oh, okay. yeah. So they they went. We went up changing the answer anyway. So they did. This is their first win. Okay. Ultimately, the ultimately the Big Bang created the wormhole, right? Well, ultimately, right? <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, in the cosmic so, scheme of things. Yeah. Well, I I think that might only apply to our plane of existence in the universe. I think. Okay, hold on. So so here's the third question for the third giveaway. Wait in one the, second. Oh, isn't the, isn't I the, hit one it. second. Isn't the real answer? Oh, isn't it really Benny Russell? Yes. So many options. So, in the mirror universe, what has replaced the United Federation of Planets? Mm. Again, Mm. we know these all relate. These all relate to DS Nine and Ben Cisco. If you haven't noticed, something I would like to debase my next campaign on. Mm. Oh yeah. I didn't tell you, in my universe, the um, prophets have actually uh, uh, filed an application for Federation membership. Nice. Oh, wow. Interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. All right. The Terran Empire, Gaius Roth. They haven't won yet either. So this is great. Uh, I don't think so. so. Congratulations. All right. All right. One more. Yep, yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a little harder. I think this one just for well, actually, right? That's the tone. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 that's true. Okay, so this is for the fourth and final giveaway of a signed book, uh, autobiography of Benjamin Cisco, written by our wonderful author here, Sarah Tyler Etico. Here's the question: Which character has appeared in more episodes than any other in all of Trek history? There's I'm curious to see where you go with that answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think I have an answer, but it may not be the right one. Let's see. We've got Worf over here. Is that the answer you're going to go with? Yep, Worf is the answer. Am Worf I right? Is. I would have right. said What's I would have said the ship's computer. That's what I would have said. No, because oh. it's Major. It's different ships. Major. That's fair. That's fair. But it is Major Barrett's voice for it most is, of them. It is Major Barrett's voice, right? I'm going, yeah. I'm going Warp. Though I think Warp. That's begins. that's a good pull, though, right? That's true. Yeah. That's I would have accepted that. I think Warp was the correct answer anyway. So okay, yeah, I agree. Good. Even so, even more than Spock. Interesting. Yeah, and a so yeah. a cro- um a, a um you're the one. Email me at michaeldismeek one at gmail uh, at gmail.com and I see Gaius Ross says they're in the UK. We could still get a book to you. Yeah. Maybe what we'll do yeah, is we, yeah, we'll ship it to works. you. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't matter. We are just happy you came in today. In fact, For the, sure. the, um Titan Titan's in the UK, right? So I'm sure that's right. Titan's in the UK. UK. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get yeah. that we'll get a book. copy to you somehow. Absolutely. All right. Well we want to be on time. Let's see. Do we have yep, yeah, I want to be on time. We're running a little late. So let's now bring in and again, Derek, you're welcome to stay. Nathan, you're welcome to stay. Uh, I can stay for a little bit if you guys awesome. want. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you I want to. Have you. Come on, we're getting yeah. BC Holmes and Dr. Aaron yeah. Dr. McDonald. Aaron McDonald, come on. Oh. Some awesome people. More awesome people. <laughs> Been an all-star cast this evening. This <laughs> oh, my goodness. So much. Okay, BC, talk to us. How are you feeling today? 100th episode extravaganza. Oh. 
excited. I've been haunting your chat. <laughs> Yay! Okay, and introduce yourself fun. just in case I don't believe it. Just in case sure. someone so, doesn't know who you are, introduce yourself. I'm BC Holmes. I'm the current maintainer of the Star Trek Adventures Character Creator application uh, at sta.bchomes.org. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> Jim, I think you'd be uh, we'd be correct to say that the game would not be where it is without that. I can't disagree with that at all. I think that that character builder is a critical component of the uh, of the success of the game. Absolutely. Totally agree. Totally agree. All right. And of course, let's uh, have Dr. Aaron McDonald introduce yourself. Welcome back to the show. Hi, I'm super Yay. happy to be here. <laughs> it's good to see all your faces. And Derek, we're like sharing a room for the first time. Yay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting. I love, how it, um, I love how the game brings people together. It's so exciting. It does. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm Dr. Aaron. Uh, I'm the science advisor for the Star Trek franchise. So I've been working since season three of Discovery, and I have just now started writing for Star Trek Adventures. So I think my first little uh, mission briefs just came out, Dangers in Space. Yep. <laughs> and, and you're the and only more, person. More stuff to come. Yeah, and you're the only person on on this uh, stream right now who actually has been in a Star Trek episode playing themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there are few people. Uh, I think it's just myself and Stephen Hawking oh. that have played themselves. Oh, in you just Star ruined Trek. my trivia. You just ruined my trivia question. <laughs> oh, no, that was the trivia question. Okay, we'll get back to you. I was too excited. I was too excited. I was too excited. We're going to talk about that. Let's. Let's introduce our other super fan, Bill Barbado. Welcome to the show. Talk to us, introduce ourselves, uh, introduce yourself and where we find you online. Yes, hello, hello. Thank you. I just want to say, first of all, Jim, Michael, congratulations, 100 episodes. That is amazing. Sure. Very thank good. You. Jeff, thank you for keeping the whole show thank running. You. I mean, appreciate everything you do. Uh, I'm Bill Barbado. I'm thank a you, host Jeff. of the Final Frontiersman on YouTube, and I... Don't know why I'm in a group of so many wonderful people because I do not stand up to this yes, level of quality yes, here. Yes, but thank you for inviting me. I appreciate well, it. Bill. The reason why is continuing. I tell myself that every day. Yes. <laughs> Remember, continuing missions and continuing conversations is dedicated to the super fans. It just happens that mm -hmm. all the people here who are creators are super fans and also have done something for Star Trek. Because sure. really, you can't yeah. write for Star Trek unless you're a fan in some sure. form or fashion, sure. right? Yeah. Got it. Okay. All right, so now let's go back to Stephen Hawking's trivia question. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, how does that feel though? Let's let's talk about that. And I think BC has a question. I think BC, you might have a question, or Bill, you have a question for anybody here. You know, take it away. We we worship our fans here. So, may may I may please I, yeah. may I speak up, uh, especially um, for uh, Dr. Aaron McDonald, who I, I I want to ask. I downloaded the um, mission briefs recently. Haven't run them yet, um, but I have a lot. Of, I, I do a lot of character-driven stories when I do my game. It's the science dilemmas that I really struggle with. So, as a game master, like what what kind of advice do you have for making good science dilemmas for crews to face, especially if maybe you don't have a really strong science background? That's such a great question, and I thoroughly appreciate that. I think there's so many people who bump up against that. That's a really familiar um, struggle that I think a lot of game masters have. And, you know, for me, what I would advise, and hopefully, you know, that was kind of the idea behind these mission briefs, is to at least give game masters something to start with. 
But the biggest advice I would give, and hopefully this is helpful, is to treat the science like a language. You know, you have characters that have the ability to speak Vulcan or the ability to speak Klingon, and you just roll with it. You don't expect the players to, you don't expect yourself to. And I would treat science the same way. You know, your engineers speak science, your science officers speak science. So at least if you start with like, I'm going to look at the warp core <laughs> and like, and don't have anything better than that, at least trying to kind of steer in the direction. So you have those solutions. And again, hopefully those mission briefs give you enough little nuggets to work with, but it's really just using those keywords and trying to, you know, have a certain challenge level that your uh, scientists and your engineers in the game can feel a little bit more accessible but they by no means need to know what a tachyon is or what antimatter is or anything like that. They can still solve problems the same way you do with other cultures in games. Thank you so much. Yeah, that I hope that's helpful. Yeah. No, 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 it <laughs> definitely is. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I had a similar question, which, which is slightly different in character, which is, has to do with, you know, when you're trying to race toward that scientific discovery, in some sense, the game models it like, a fight you're fighting against <laughs> the enemy etc but we see enough action adventure shows that we kind of have the ability to do some narrative things with fights i'm going to jump this way or i'm going to slide across the room shooting or something like that do you have advice for how to add color to that sort of discovery process how do you hype up the narrative element of it that's great. I think remembering, and I've I've dealt with this even as the science advisor for the shows, is trying to remember that at the core they are scientists. And I think at the very least, taking that step back and just reminding yourself of that like fourth or fifth grade science class where you learned the scientific method, you hypothesize, you test, you reflect, you come up with another hypothesis, that helps drive that narrative. And so having helping guide your players or as a player yourself, be like, I'm going to have a hypothesis. What would I need to do to test that? Or even just saying, I'm going to test this. <laughs> and, and you don't need to know the details of it. But that, I think, helps just remind that, yeah, that's where your characters are going to start thinking. They're going to want to start problem solving. They're going to want to gather evidence and come up with ideas. And then they're going to want to test that theory. And that that kind of helps drive that narrative aspect of the character being a scientist. Mm -hmm. I want to I want to build on that a little bit. Uh, so BC, that was a great question, and uh, um, thank you, uh, Dr. Aaron. And also, I want I want uh, your perspective, and I want Nathan's perspective too, because obviously you're the developer of the game, Nathan. Um, and, and Aaron, I I know you played the game too, right? So I think you'll have perspectives as both the science scientist and the gamer. Um, one of the things I've really been challenged with over the years is like trying to encourage players and game masters to to take those extended tasks and expand them over the course of a season, right? Not just one episode or two episodes, but like how could how can I how can I as a player, as a scientific player, I want to do a really cool science project for my character that's working, you know, kind of in the background along with all the other stuff that's happening episode to episode that you're coming up with. Like how can I how can I use the game rules, but also just like good scientific method processes and do something cool that that I can do research a little bit at a time, episode to episode to episode and make it meaningful and fun. So like, it, it may not have anything to do with like what the big meta plot of the campaign is, but it's a cool thing for my character to get into that I could maybe, you know, my, maybe my character can go win the the Carrington prize or whatever that 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 thing was, uh, like a, some science award or something. Like it, what, what's your advice for a player and a game master to get into something like that? I wanna hear from Nathan first, <laughs> from a <Sorry>. gaming perspective. <laughs> 
from a from a game spec, that kind of long term project, um, I've seen it done. I, I've seen it done really well in, in a number of other games. I've not uh, got any direct experience of uh, doing it myself in um, Star Trek Adventures, but certainly the extended task mechanics work, you know, solidly there. Uh, and we've got a number of mechanics that fit really easily into the just the, the notion of the scientific method. That idea of okay, mm. well, I'm going to do this and try and make these observations, spend momentum to ask questions, get some information, and then based on that information, I'm going to start making tests and start doing things to try and test a theory and see if I can get uh, the, the desired outcome from that. But um, beyond a lot of that, I tend to boil down a lot of the, the scientific stuff from the perspective of the players to the uh, the simple analogy that follows the technobabble solution uh, uh, explanation for what's happening. Yeah, you always if you you don't need the the science stuff, the science side of things, to actually make sense because it's it's fake science. But the simple um, analogy afterwards, as long as that's solid, the players will have a handle on what they're expected to be able to do and what they can uh, consider as possible solutions. Yeah, we just and saw then you a can subspace zipper. We just saw a subspace <laughs> zipper, right? <laughs> exactly. Wait, Aaron, were you behind that? little bit <laughs> in fact i think you know it's so funny so that that was a um the famous musical episode that just came out but um that was actually the hardest gig i've ever been given and i don't know if you remember it's I, we might have been on this show talking about where i was like oh, there's something coming up i can't talk about but like it was really really oh, really hard it. to do oh, that's because cool. like when it, we have those and nathan like you said like those fun goofy ideas right an energy monster the hand of apollo like all this sort of stuff a lot of times it's like just don't explain it like you're gonna get yourself into trouble and so when i was when we were working on that and they were coming up with a story and i was like awesome musical great let's do it and they were like i was like but don't put any science they were like no 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 no. we want this to be like super scientific i was like oh no <laughs> so, anyway i'm pretty proud with how it came out i was, I was happy yeah, was, but that was good <laughs> thank you I, I, have, I have to ask then this is a great question we'll all hear it here first which is really exciting so the <laughs> zipper idea so hold on who created the problem did you create the problem and then also the solution of let's like were you looking around your house or look down like oh zipper i guess i'm like how did that go <laughs> Um, I, I mean, it's always a collaborative process. We're all bouncing ideas around and, and throwing out different analogies, exactly like we're talking about. And I think they used this as well as the zipper, but it actually started with the idea of like unwrap, like that our universes, these multiverses are kind of weaved together like a uh, sweater, you know? So it's like sometimes these yarns don't even touch each other, but they're all interwoven. But if you mm -hmm. break apart, the whole thing starts to unravel. So that's kind of where that started. And then even simplifying that further, because what I just gave you was like far too detailed of an explanation, even for a no, 10 second thing in Star Trek. <laughs> um, like, nice. okay, let's even simplify that further to a zipper, you know, that you just need to zip it back up together. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun, you know, and, but I, but you don't expect people. And that's what I love, Nathan, your example, because I actually go back to the uh, Futurama episode where they, where no one has gone before, where they make fun of that. They parody it brilliantly. You know, they're like, oh, we're going to put energy from here. We're going to reroute from the engines and Bender's just like, like putting too much air into a balloon. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's a great reminder to default to those. I remember distinctly that like, beginning of season two of Discovery, they 
point it out almost per- perfectly when uh, once Pike comes aboard the uh, the Discovery. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. I love it. Very cool. Um, and so, Derek, Derek, I, I was going to say, do, do we have any weird or arcane science coming into uh, the autobiography book? That we anything new? Any new concepts that you worked on? Uh, not so much. Not really. Um, that would have been great though, because if if I had thought about that as I was writing, maybe I could have like had a really like quick confab with Doctor. Aaron McDonald and been like, what could I have done? You know, what could I have done? Um, but no, not not so much. Um, I have some things that are a little um um left field, shall we say, or off kilter. You're like, what? What's happening? Um, kind of thing. But and I and I would imagine the science of that, but I don't want to go too too far into those weeds. Um, but no, not so much, not okay. so much. But I'm I'm sure afterwards. That I'm sure as Dr. Aaron is reading it, she'd be like, oh, maybe this is because of that, or that's because of this. So I can so, I can retcon anything you give me. I'm like, sure, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> we can make anything work. But but I think too, I, I think Deep Space Nine and Cisco and all of those stories intertwined, those are the most sort of more philosophical, metaphysical, Absolutely. you know, explorations. Whereas I think Voyager is harder because it's so scientific and all right. of their problems are very rooted in science. But, right. you know, Deep Space Nine is exploring more, much more philosophy. And that, right. that's inter- interesting because doing the autobiography, I realized, I'm like, wow, Janeway is such the scientist. Thank God I didn't get Janeway because, <laughs> because she's such the scientist, you know? And you're right. Ben is so much more philosophical, you know, and I, I can deal with that with his soul and his spirit a lot easier than, than doing yeah so when you're creating stories uh particularly for the role-playing game where like we're talking about ds9 is obviously more um philosophical and for that kind of thing you go to like plato's republic and read that and get you know the idea of philosophy where would you go where would you recommend people go to get the inspirations for more science-based activities in their star trek games oh that's such an annoyingly good question that i'm not prepared for (laughs) (laughs) um you know, I, uh, well, I mean, I'll plug my own stuff because I'm resurrecting my YouTube channel and I'm coming up with some more, but like basic time travel, multiverse, like faster than light travel, those sort of things that you can get quick primers on. And I mean, it just depends on how deep you want to get into the weeds. Honestly, things like, and, and this I think is what people bump up against is that if you go on like Wikipedia and you look up space time, it's about 18 pages long thesis on like the intricacies of mathematical space time. That is not what you're looking for. You're looking for a basic. And so if you can look up like, yeah, I'm just going to say textbooks are way too expensive. So if you can find free PDFs of textbooks that are Astronomy 101, Astronomy 102, there's an introduction to space time. I don't think I have it on me. That is great. You know, those base level textbooks are actually really fun to flip through. And you can just be like, I want to think about like Mars or I want to look at a gas planet and just read a paragraph or two and then come up with an idea from there. Yeah. One of the best uh, one of the best ideas you gave me was um, NASA kids. And I now. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Yeah, I now use that. Uh, I have to ask BC and Bill, um, you know, as you as you play games often, have you ever created a cool scientific contest? new concept in your games and and tell us about that and what you would encourage game masters to do in that case wow uh good question um i think that we techno babble a lot (laughs) so we're constantly you know 
um, trying to, you know, use anti-tachyons through the main deflector to technobabble the thing and into whatever. <laughs> right. Um, so that that's that's a that's something we we you know lean on as a crutch a great deal. Um, I think one of the things that's interesting about uh, both the campaigns that I'm playing in is our science officer is a soft science officer. I just I do kind of wonder like what are the special considerations for somebody whose specialties are things like history and sociology and and what have you. That's cool. I'd be fascinated to hear how that plays out. I, I would love to see that. Because I always even wonder with the Wrath of Khan episode, Stacey, you had a historian on board. Mm -hmm. like, and yeah. did she spend all her day painting? Like, what did she do? <laughs> what was her, what, what did the eight hours look like when they're flying 20 light years, you know, over the course of two weeks or something? That That's really fascinating to see. We'll have to have a show about just soft sciences. I'm going to invite you on about that. How about you, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think um, similarly, like like I said, I'm trying to find content for, for science. I watch a lot of YouTube videos, uh, especially a lot of Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, yeah. And um, our ship is actually the USS deGrasse Tyson. Uh, <laughs> so I get a lot of inspiration for like some strange science ideas from there. So I did use one um, where he was talking about, um, uh oh, Good Lord, I can't remember the scientific term at this point, but but take something he says and see how it could create like an interesting encounter for the ship and the crew to just stumble across in space mm -hmm. and make that an entire episode. So we did that once and I'm just desperately trying to find more because, yeah, like I said, it's not my strong suit. So this is helping me a lot. So thank Good. you. Well I, I hope too. I mean, we kind of glossed over a little bit from the science side doing these long-term investigations. And I think what's important to remember is if you have someone with an astronomy or an astrophysics background, even us as scientists here in astronomy and astrophysics, we can only take what the universe gives us. And so you could have an encounter where they get a bunch of data from some, you know, pulsar or some supernova or something that is weird and interesting. And they spend some time in the background analyzing it, but they hit a wall and they have to wait until the next sort of thing they come across might actually spark some more information or another data set that they can use. So that kind of mm -hmm. helps you know, remembering that you only have what the universe will give you. <laughs> and that comes back to yeah. to be able to using the long term uh, multi episode. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I really like that. Uh, Jeff, so do you have one more say? It's time for giveaways. Uh, oh, the only thing I was going to say is the, the sites that I tend to use uh, for the site is like, I think Crash Course is great. PBS Space Time on YouTube is really good. Um, and I like futurists like Isaac Author. I think their stuff is really good to 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 watch and get into and get some ideas for. Cool. I, I'll add, um, um, my son is uh, eight and he's watching a lot of Kyrgyzstan videos. Kyrgyz, I, I, I may have the pronunciation wrong. It's Kyrgyzstan or something like that. Um, they do a lot of science and a lot of viruses and just like a lot of fascinating stuff, a lot of research. And it's just it's really neat to to watch that because it's aimed at a younger audience. But like I'm still learning stuff, too, right? Because, I, I, you know, I'm a liberal arts major, so I didn't know any of this science or math or stuff. And I'm learning it from him while he's learning it. Super cool. cool. What, I know, Michael, we've got to go to uh, giveaways. but I want to add one thing. Uh, Thomas had a great comment in the chat about how um, it's interesting, like when you expand the scale of anthropology and archaeology and some of the soft sciences to get away from just Earth. And you start adding in other galactic cultures, like it expands the possibilities of a character. And I wanted I wanted to tie it into a little bit to what everybody was talking about, especially uh, Dr. Aaron, where she was saying, you know, if science is a language, 
trust that your character knows that language even mm -hmm. if you don't as a player right trust your character trust the character mm -hmm. sheet let them let them kind of guide you to say like you know <clears throat> i i want my character to do a thing like me as the player i don't know how to do this but my character probably does and and just like it just uh, you know just looking at thomas's comments he was like you know on earth right an archaeologist or an anthropologist could spend an entire career on one culture or one or one, mm -hmm. or one piece of a culture right um, but then if you take that same person and you expand it out to Star Trek and now, you know, you're an archaeologist on a ship, but you could be a specialist in Vulcan archaeology or Klingon archaeology mm -hmm. or Cardassian archaeology Ooh, yeah. in addition I mean, to some Earth culture or something. Even narrowing yeah. down beyond that, you know, pre-Surak Reformation Vulcan archaeology. <laughs> right. Oh, right. right. Yeah. Next yep. character. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So so the takeaway then, of course, is is, is you know, trust your character and, and be willing to let your character do things that or, or right. to try things that you may not personally be able to do but just like work with your game master work with the other players and uh and trust the sheet trust the character also as always one don't one. let the true science get in the way of the good story yeah yes oh yeah yes yeah one thing i've always liked to remind my players is if they've got a focus in a particular uh, in a particular field they are an expert in that field if it's a if it's a, a field of science they have probably written and published papers on that subject. So mm. they're, yeah, yeah. they're well known in that field. They're likely to be known in that field and have other people read their works. Love it, man. Bill and BC, look where that's, those questions took us. This was great. That could have been a whole episode. We could literally <laughs> go back. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah. That. Uh, wow. Thank we'll you. have to come oh, back to us. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. All right. So now here we go. Let's go. Uh, because we have Derek, Dr. Aaron this time, of course, whereas Derek's questions were skewed toward DS9, these two questions are going to be skewed toward Voyager, uh, since we know your favorite captain is Captain Janeway. That's mine. Okay. And the giveaway for this one, just so you all know, this is cool. The giveaway for this one is Utopia Planitia. Ooh. deluxe copy TNG era if you get this question <laughs> right okay nice. so, so hopefully we have some people salivating out there and again my email I'll include it in the question the question is this what species known to the Borg as species 329 were deemed unworthy of assimilation <laughs> good question that's a good question <laughs> great question All right. oh, yes All right. Get what, that. what species did the Borg say? Eh, nah. <laughs> I've been desperately trying to incorporate that into the game somehow because it's just yeah. hilarious. Yeah, I can't wait. Did anyone guess it yet? Anyone yet? Here. When the when the Borg pass on you, that's a that's a dark day. <laughs> that's cold. <laughs> Talk about worthlessness. Yeah, I'll, give you, I'll give you all a hint. They probably didn't want to assume their bad haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what they were trying not to assimilate. No one wants that. Uh, that was a big hint. That is a big hint. That is a big hint. Yeah, that is. That is As someone good. who didn't really watch Voyager very much, I got it from that hint. So that's awesome. Yeah, I like that. Oh my goodness! Do I have to put an easier question? I don't think anyone's getting it. There you we go. What? Did we got it? I P. P. Goodman, thirteen, I believe, is right. They, P. Goodman, Patrick, there congratulations, go. Patrick. Welcome aboard, awesome. Patrick. Good to see you. Thank you. Good. You are getting this book. I hope you you probably have it already, but I'm sending it to you anyway. So, so go with that. Good. It is the Kazon with the bad hair. All right. And here's the second question. I am now giving like away. Sounds like a band name. <laughs> <laughs> this is a pretty good one. This is cooler. 
same thing, but we were doing TOS edition. Oh. So now I want to be able to answer questions because I want that. Oh, one. were people waiting for that one? Oh, okay. Okay, Beautiful. let's see. So here's the question for that one. Oh, you know what? I almost put the answer in here too. One second. I'm going to do that. Answer. This, one, this one's super easy, but you know, I couldn't have a question that does not do with, with Seven of Nine. So the question is what was Seven of Nine's name before she was assimilated by the Borg? Oh, that's I easy. I admit I, I do not I admit I do not know the answer to that question. Oh wow. Jeff, we need a okay. I just <laughs> didn't Jerry Ryan. I've watched a lot of Voyager, but I've just that never came up in any of the ones I've watched. And wow. She has disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So somebody you know what? And if, if if someone's already won a PDF, I'll let you go for a hard copy thing okay so even if yeah. you've already won something i'm allowing you to now answer and get a hard copy it should be mentioned that the borg went out of their way to assimilate her family but they still won't touch the case on <laughs> yeah. wow oh wow so i just looked it up and i didn't know that i just forgot that was true <laughs> well one That's little red great. shirt if, if you only want to did you wear win something hard copy yet or just pdf if you want a pdf i'll let you answer this for a hard copy at this point i just wanted to move on so anyone answer it right well i mean also i i have to i have to wonder like um i i can't see the the i can't see the guest list of the people that are watching the twitch so i almost wonder is like is, is most of the people watching the twitch us <laughs> right there's still uh, like, how, many, how many how many non-participants do we have in the in the uh, in the guest list maybe we should just let them double up well, this makes me actually feel kind of good, Jim, because I mean, we had the all stars of Star Trek Adventures, writers, people yeah. who've been on the show, and only twelve people show up. I'm actually feeling good about our show now. When we have like you know, uh, at least <laughs> half the people, at least on. half people that are watching yeah. are still not in the stream. So, hooray! Oh, <laughs> okay, one lone red shirt. We do not outnumber the audience. Excellent. Okay, yay! Yeah. There it is. Congratulations. All right, Love and, it. Then, and then because this is uh our 100th episode and we're wrapping up toward the end. We're doing one more surprise. Awesome. giveaway. I actually think we have two more surprise giveaways. Yeah. yeah two more. Yeah. Two more. So, so uh, the giveaway, uh, I think you should do yours first, Jim, because mine's pretty awesome. So uh, yeah, your, yours, yours is the, yours is the grand prize, Michael. Yeah. So Jim's uh, giving away. I mean, mine's pretty cool, but yours is the grand prize. It's definitely cool. So, so Jim is giving away the hard copy captain's logbook, and they'll get to pick the version, right? Jim? Yeah, whichever version you want, as soon as the reprint comes in. We're in the middle of reprinting it right now because the first print run was so successful and sold out. Uh, we're waiting for the uh, second print run to come in. So it'll probably be a few weeks before we can ship the physical book. You'll get the PDF right away. Uh, but awesome. whichever of the whichever of the the um, editions you want, uh, we'll we'll send that send that your way. Okay, cool. And should I do an easy question or a hard question, Jim? What do you think? I mean, it's a, it's it's almost a grand prize. I think it should be kind of medium to hardish. Medium to hardish. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll do medium. To make hard your make your grand prize win, make your grand prize question the hard one. Okay, that's fine. And again, none of these are really super hard. I just can't say, but we'll see. Just in case you didn't watch the show. Uh, so <laughs> the question for the Captain's Log Solo RPG book, you get to pick the cover, is who was the first Vulcan science officer aboard the Starship Enterprise? That's a significantly Harder question. I think people would expect it to be. That's a it's a sneaky question. I yeah. like it. <laughs> huh. I, I oh, guess yeah. you have to you have to wonder should it be 
Huh. The Starship Enterprise or right. a Starship or Enterprise? A Starship Enterprise, right, the, the, right. The first right Starship Enterprise. The, the article, the article matters. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Indefinite I love trivia so much. <laughs> Let's see here. Does any of our three people watching them? <laughs> so, uh, uh, does spelling oh, matter? Try again, unveil my eyes. Try again. Spelling. You're so close. Sp the, the editor, the editor in me says spelling matters. Someone is going <laughs> to steal that from you and bell my eyes. Get that spelling corrected. Get your fast fingers going. <laughs> oh, oh with the steal. With the steal. And Ross, let, let's make sure. Okay, uh, Ross. Oh, no, you already got a hard copy. Derek Tyler Attico book coming to you. So we're giving it to unveil my eyes because you know what? The to Paul is there now, and and Bill Myers, uh, we'll, we'll, we know we'll clean it up in post. Yeah, Tapel was, <laughs> was somebody else. Tapel was Tapel's um, two volume life. Oh, oh, that's right, that's right. Mm. Tapel, mm -hmm. interesting, interesting. All right, everyone, here <laughs> comes wrong anyway. here comes the grand prize giveaway. All right, yeah, this is awesome. You're you're amazing for doing this, Michael. I I cheer you on. It's okay, and and because I'm humorous. Uh, oh no! I, I'll keep it. I'm going to keep it a pretty tough question, actually, because I, I like doing that. And um, is it going to be appropriate to the series, or, or are you just going to go with an interesting question? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> just knowing no, what the prize is, it, no, it should... it's definitely going with the series. I had to look. I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Okay, but but this one spelling matters. I'm telling you, spelling matters on this. All right, everybody. <sighs> this is what we're giving away: tricorder box set, fresh wrapping. Okay, inside it has the Captain Kirk dice, the green tunic mm -hmm. dice, you'll remember. <laughs> so those are very popular, very popular. Oh, oh my gosh. Very I've nice. I've been saving this for Very nice, day. Bill. I've been saving very nice, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Open it up so they can see the inside because this isn't open. It has the leather strap, the foam leather. Oh, oh, it's hard to see, but mine is actually right there. That awesome. is fancy. <laughs> yeah, mine's, mine's back here somewhere. All right, are you guys nice. excited? Blow up the chat if you're excited, even if you can't win it because you already won something hard copy. But I'm <laughs> excited. Here's the question. You guys, you should all know this, but spelling does matter to me. Someone who's quickly becoming one of my favorite characters. What is Lieutenant Uhura's first name? Uh, oh, come what on. What a softball. Come oh, on. Come on. <laughs> you think so, but let's see if they spell it right. Let's see if they spell it right. Okay, that's fair. Mm. This one's spelling really does matter because this is a major character and we didn't even learn the first name for so long. Long time, yeah. Right? Right, so I think it's important that she's getting recognized now. She's really fleshing her out. Thank you. Oh, I built my eyes. You just won, though. Now, somebody, oh, well, you gave the answer. I don't know what to do. I, you know what? I'm a rule breaker. So you want to so, get really scary with it? When was it what? first? When was the name first officially created? Right. Canonically right. established. I, I right. know that. I, where, I did know that before, where did that first appear? Before, before we say that, though, I'm going to say this. I believe in being faithful to our fans, the people who take the effort to support us. And so unveil my eyes. You win both. You win Man. both. I'm sending you both. Okay. So thanks for sticking through. Email michaeldismuke1 at gmail.com with your information, your handle, so I know who you are. And then I'll take care of all the shipping address stuff there. So, first of all, let's give a big deaf ASL clap to all of the people who did stay on uh, today. All right. And now, now to your question, Jeff. What was your question? When what I what year was that name canonically established? Oh, I think I know that's when. So I, great. 
think I know. Movie. Patrick got it. Yep. But yeah, uh, nice. 2009, right? Yep. Yeah. The, yep. the JJ 2009. Yeah. Yep. yep. So a character that, the character that was created in 1967 didn't get a real, didn't get a first name until 2009. I'm pretty sure the first name was mentioned in the animated series. Oh. It wasn't counted as canon before. Um, really? The 2009. Oh, wow. So now Ooh, I didn't even know cut. that. Really I'd have to rewatch. Time. I've seen the entire animated series. I don't remember them ever saying it, but again, there's a lot about that show I don't remember. <laughs> oh, Gail Schwarzkamp asked, wasn't it in a novel too? So I don't know. We'll have to look into beta I, canon on that. Well, that's why I said canonically. Ask Aaron Harvey. Yeah. All right. I'll reach, well, I'll reach out to Aaron Harvey and see if I can remember. Well, you know how we do in tradition. We're we're at time now. I really appreciate everyone. We're going to do our gratitude. This is our group here to take us out of the hundredth episode extravaganza for continuing conversations. Um, also, people who are watching, feel free to put gratitude in the chat if you want. You can drop it there. But let's go ahead mm -hmm. and start. Um, why don't we start with you, uh, Nathan Dowdell. Give us your gratitude moment here. Suddenly caught. Suddenly lost the window. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's, oh, he was uh, researching. You were researching it, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I was checking to see if I was. I wasn't. I'd like I'm to thank Memory Alpha. His thank you goes to Memory Alpha. <laughs> hey, if it's good enough for Simon Pegg when he was working on Star Trek Beyond, it's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, to be honest, I'm I'm grateful to be able to continue to give back to Star Trek. Uh, you know, something that's mean, that means so much to so many people, and it's yeah, been such a big factor in my in my life, and to continue to continue to have the opportunity to interact with other fans through the game, uh, I still miss the uh, the fact that uh, Destination Star Trek, um, one of the conventions over mm -hmm. here, stopped. Um, it was uh, cancelled, so because uh, I, I enjoyed going along to uh, going along and demoing the game and meeting people there. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you. Derek Tyler Attico, who's your gratitude, Derek? Um, well, my gratitude is to um the fans and families because Star Trek, well, I, I'm I'm thankful to have been to have done so much work in, in the Star Trek universe, but that is only because of the fans and families that have perpetuated and kept Star Trek alive now 57 plus years. And anytime I talk to people, they all have these stories of, oh, I watched it with my dad. I watched it with my mom. It brought us together. Even when we weren't talking, we would watch Star Trek together and they go back to not talking, you know? But it's all about family and it's those families. So without those fans and those families, we wouldn't have anything to talk about, you know? So I'm thankful for that, seriously. So true. Well said, well said. Let's see. Let's go over to Jeff Harvey, Studio Timbo, our producer. Uh, what's your gratitude? Honestly, my gratitude is to the, the subscribers to the YouTube channel, the fans that followed us here on Twitch, the fans that uh, have made the show far more than I ever thought it was going to be when I first started it. Um, and of course, Michael and Jim, you guys for carrying it on to 100 episodes, because uh, I would not have been able to make it this far on my own. Uh, it's been a great time to be able to see this show do this well and to see how it affects the fans. And I must say that one of the things that really affects me uh, when I see this is some of the comments we get on YouTube and in some of the uh, Facebook chats and, and even on the discords and things like that, like the fans are really touched by this game and they're really touched by the fact that you guys bring so bring it so close to them. Um, I mean, podcasting is clearly an intimate thing and you guys have become, I think, kind of the face of Star Trek adventures uh, for so many fans. And I think that's great. So 
Um, I want to thank all the fans, and obviously I want to thank the two of you. And I do have an answer to the question when uh, Uhura's first name first actually officially appeared. Not in canon, but in for real. It was 1982 in a book by William Rotzler. Uh, The book was Star Trek Two Biographies. So there we go. Wow, deep cut. Their research. That That's really a deep good. cut. And and I wanted. I, I think it's a good time to clarify based off what you just said, Jeff. I don't work for Modiphius people. People keep right. sending me questions and or even submitting scripts to me or or pitches. I'm like, no, I'm just a fortunate freelancer. And I know I may seem like I work for them, but I'm just really passionate about the game. That's yeah. Just, despite it all, this is still a fan show run by fans for fans. Um, I mean, Jim is a little bit more than a fan, but he's still a fan. So. Okay, so then, Dr. Aaron, I'm going to let you go to gratitude because because this is fan worship, I want to make sure that our super fans, BC and Bill, get their gratitude toward the end. Uh, so, if you, uh, so Dr. Aaron, what's your gratitude? Absolutely. Um, for me, my gratitude, as has been for the last couple of weeks and months, is uh, labor movements. Um, I want to be a TV writer. That is the next step in my goal. And I just am filled with so much emotion at my friends and colleagues who overnight had to become labor community organizers when they were, all they want to do is sit in their pajamas and write TV shows. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so they've worked so, so hard in just unbearable conditions. And, and for the WGA, they won, you know, this is Mm -hmm. a huge success and, um, and we're all just so thrilled and it really was for future people to come along and do this. So I'm just so Mm -hmm. grateful. SAG after is still fighting the good fight. And so Mm -hmm. we wish them the best of luck, but things are Mm -hmm. looking positive. And so thank you all. And really, honestly, I think the fan support and particularly the Star Trek fan community had a big role in the Star Trek strike strike support squad. It was organized, getting water and snacks from all over the world out to the strike line. So, yeah, I had never been more educated about, how that works and how the unions work if it weren't for uh delta flyers uh bobby Bobby duckman mcgill and and garrett wong really being open about what goes on behind things it was very Mm -hmm. very interesting so good win dr aaron thank you all right let's go over to bc holmes what you gotta do wow it's hard to follow that one up but uh i'm gonna i'm gonna go personal and say i'd like to give a shout out to one of my campaigns that i'm in um and the people who are a part of that campaign rachel sabs lida and uh, Lisa, and of course our GM, John Till. It's been a great time. It's been a long running campaign and they've got really gone deep on uh, on the, the whole role-playing aspect of it. Wonderful, isn't that true? We're not we're nothing without our groups. I know mm-hmm. that's for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can say I, I enjoy my gaming group sometimes more than the TV show itself. We have such <laughs> good stories, uh, you know, and, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. So, yeah. The story and, you're in is always more engaging than the story you're watching. Right, isn't that true? That's what it is. Well said. That should be like something you print on a shirt or a bumper sticker, Nathan, for RPGers. Mm-hmm. I love that. All right. And Bill, another super fan. What's your gratitude? Okay. Uh, well, if I may indulge for a bit, I just want to give my gratitude to everyone here right now. Like Nathan, really the system. I've never been so excited about the mechanics of a game before until I read Star Trek Adventures. The whole game has rejuvenated my enthusiasm for Star Trek. Uh, Jim, Michael. Jeff running the show, like continuing conversations. You are the heart and soul of the community. You keep it going. You keep us excited all the time. BC, oh my goodness, the work you are doing with that online character creator and just improving it again and again. I I use it constantly. That is one of the best tools. Uh, Dr. Aaron, I've already uh, told you how much I'm thrilled to be talking to you here. 
and all that you contribute. Derek, I am looking forward to that book, sir. Everything you are contributing, I'm waiting for that to be released. And just finally, my my own group, uh, seven countries, eight different time zones. I mean, they're waking up all over the world to join wow. us and they haven't given up yet. So I thank the whole community. I mean, it just let's just keep it going stronger and stronger from now on. Thank you so much for having me here. Incredible, incredible. My mm -hmm. thank you. I mean, I have so many thank yous, but I'm going to keep thanking the super fans out there. Um, for years before the admin of the internet, when we were playing RPG, our story stayed in a little hole with maybe our, our four or five friends. And now, um, thank you for contributing to continuing missions. All you fans are welcome to do so. Again, I always just say PG-13 because my nieces and nephews peruse it. Um, but everything is welcome. I'll repeat it again. We don't check grammar. We don't check spelling. But your stories are <laughs> important and you want to have them memorialized. It's a great time to live in history where you can actually dump it somewhere. You don't have to worry about storing it in paper form. And 10 years from now, you'll go to continuing missions blog and say, oh, let me type my name in. And there's your stuff. So that's what we want to be as a repository for everything Star Trek Adventures and Captain's Log that's fan-made because you're important and you keep us writing, which we love so much. All right, close us out, Jim Johnson. I could be here all day thanking everybody I want to thank. So, And I know even after 100 episodes, we still haven't thanked everybody that needs to be thanked. So um, I want to thank uh, everybody who was on the show with us tonight, who, who graciously spent some time with us. Uh, everybody that's worked on um, Star Trek Adventures over the last seven years, eight years. Everybody at Modifius for even making it happen. Chris Birch for putting it all together initially. Uh, Nathan, of course, uh, designing the game, all that hard work. All the playtesters. That, that worked on the first edition of the game or the whole game, the captain's log, you know, Star Trek adventures, everything, um, all that stuff, all those people in the, in the back of the book, uh, you know, everybody had a piece of that. So um, yeah, just so many people to thank and uh, we couldn't be doing it without you all. And you know, this is a, you know, I'm a super fan just as much as everybody else is. So uh, thanks for all the hard work that you're doing. Uh, thanks for your passion for the game. Thanks for supporting each other. Uh, especially the fans like I, I love seeing new fans coming into the game every day and I love seeing the other fans just supporting them right and saying hey you know we can help you out and you know they they answer questions even faster than Nathan or I or any of the other writers can like they, they get on discord and uh, Facebook and stuff and they're answering the, the rules questions before we do uh, so just super excited to see this happening and uh, if someone had told me seven years ago that we'd still be doing it I, I don't think I would have believed them <laughs> like you know as a, as a writer when I came onto the game I was like, yeah, this will be a cool gig for a couple of years. And now here we are eight years later, still going strong. So, uh, and look at all just, the people uh, you connected with too. Jim. I know you, you, I, I am. I'm trying not to go there cause I don't want to get emotional, but uh, just the, 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 the fact that we've been able to connect so many people to so many other people. And like my, my Star Trek Rolodex has grown exponentially since working on this game. And like all of you have had so many meaningful pieces of the game and have contributed to it. And to me personally, right? Like, a, like, a, you know, I think I've told, and I, I promise I'll stop. Um, Star Trek Adventures is um, almost entirely freelance run, right? Like there is no staff person at Modifius who's in charge of Star Trek Adventures. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a freelance project manager. And um, <laughs> to, to, uh, to, to be responsible for so much of it and to be able to reach out to all of you and, and to be able to pull on those strings and get you involved and, and to like be able to know that you know people that I don't know who might want to get involved too, right? That's how some of you have come into the game is because like I, I knew somebody who knew somebody else and we brought you in. And the, the fact that you were all willing to do it and, and to be involved and to join us on this journey is just so humbling uh, and so amazing to know how many people that are out there, like, you know, Thomas and uh, 
and Aaron, Dr. Aaron, and just, just so many people. And there's so many more people that we haven't had a chance to reach out to that I want to connect with. Uh, but uh, it's just made the game so much more than I thought it could ever be. And and the fans have noticed it, right? Like like Thomas was talking about earlier in the show, how he loves to make sure that Star Trek Online makes connections with uh, with the other franchise, the other, the other licensees, right? And we've been trying to do that with Star Trek Online and Star Trek Timelines and uh, and the comic books with you know what Colin and Kelly uh, getting IDW involved, and now we've got Titan Books involved through through Derek, right? We're getting some connections there. There's some potential there. So I'm just thrilled to awesome. see the tapestry that we've been able to weave with this game and uh you know I'll, I'll close it up by saying you know picard said it best right when he said the sky's the limit right mm-hmm. we've, we've been doing this for seven years we've been doing 100 episodes michael and uh who knows where the next 100 are gonna go so i just i sure. can't wait to see what we i can't wait to see what we do next so thanks for having us thanks for having us uh fans thank you all I live in the idic <laughs> before before you sign off though but quickly before yeah. sign off, i just a little bit of housekeeping so everyone knows if you want a prize, make sure you Michael uh, you email Michael. If you didn't win a prize, or if you did win, if you want a prize and can't email Michael, uh, in the link tree uh, for Studio Tembo, it's link link slash Studio Tembo. There's a contact me form. Contact me. I'll get a hold of Michael and we'll get it set up from there. Um, check out the show on all the places that it's available uh, and share it with everybody you know. Go ahead, Michael. All right, good. So until next time, it's I D I C. The conversation continues. Love y'all. Live long and prosper, everybody. Be safe, be well. We'll see you all real soon.